0: I think that there is a 20%
1: of America that basically is white nationalist. I really believe this is why God gave us two arms, one for the flu shot and the other one for the COVID shot.
2: I invite you to Ukraine, invest in Ukraine. This will be your victory and a new success Sorry for your companies. Slava Ukraini, start your work.
0: Alright, welcome ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us here today, apologize if you're joining us uh, live, we are a little bit late, but I appreciate you uh, tuning in, uh, always good to be back with you of course, I'm Henrik, this is Red Ice TV and because it's Wednesday we're doing No Go Zone uh, and we have uh, important topics here lined up, I guess it's kind of really one topic today really, we're going to look at the energy situa- situation in Europe and of course we've covered this uh, in the past, many shows in detail and how this is a basically a big uh, setup, this is part of the game plan. And today we're going to try to nail that point by basically arguing that the energy crisis that we're seeing in Europe and America as well, that is the climate lockdown. Remember, we talked about climate lockdown. The climate lockdown is coming. It's coming in the wake of COVID and stuff. And of course, now both of them are kind of maybe not weaving perfectly together, but there's some overlaps. And in fact, the COVID issue and the lockdowns pertaining to COVID might actually be coming back this winter. As enough people go out on the streets to try to protest, basically uh, being uh, <clears throat> intentionally killed off by their governments. Meaning, we won't be able to heat our homes, we can't cook our food, uh, we can't uh, you know feed ourselves. Essentially, if you shut down the energy supply, civilization collapses. That's just basically how simple it is, right? Uh, now, there's some different dynamics kind of tra- you know weaved into this as well, uh, but this is a major like problem problem reaction solution type scenario that we have in front of us. And uh, in fact, they're doing a very good job uh, at playing the masses out there. And as people uh, wave their Ukraine flags, they think that this is totally just uh, organic and it was just an unfortunate side effect or whatever. Uh, But uh, no, 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 this is very much part of the game plan, uh, you see. And I wanted to begin uh, by just briefly touching on that last clip in the little uh, intro uh, edits there that we had, which is Zelensky being part of ringing the bell uh, at the New York Stock Exchange, right, I, I wish I thought saw this first, and was like, "This gotta be, is this a joke?" <laughs> like, invest in Ukraine. We are requesting four hundred billion in foreign investment uh, over, uh, like, what the, the next foreseeable future here. So, Zelensky was part of opening the New York market after meeting uh, after meeting JPM and Pfizer. Right. Do we have it? Do we have it on fast track brought to you by Pfizer? That's right. Ukraine seeks 400 billion for 500 projects. Advantage Ukraine focuses on pharma, energy and military. (laughs) <laughs> can't make this up, right? Ukraine's president Zelensky remotely rang the opening bell at the New York Stock Exchange on a Tuesday as his nation appealed for billions in dollars in private investment to rebuild factories and industries destroyed by Russia. Zelensky's government launched a platform of over 500 projects worth $400 billion US dollars for foreign companies and private investors to help rebuild Ukraine's economy even as the war with Russia drags on. Zelensky appeared on a video screen behind the platform overlooking the New York Stock Exchange floor where the opening bell is traditionally rung, traders applauded and whooped while all a while a banner read we are free, we are strong. We are open for business there you go <clears throat> very good you can't uh, you can't make it up now let's do a little flashback here to a clip we played what is this march i can't even remember when this is actually it's a subtitle so he's speaking in uh uh you know ukrainian russian ukrainian here and uh or the, the what is the dialect basically basically a dialect of russian right isn't it uh maybe there's some huge words difference i'm not sure but anyway uh and when he talked about this, right, the rebuilding of it. Now we've we've talked about this from the point of view of like the fourth industrial revolution and these kinds of things. And this is a made this is a major part of it. This this is the uh, the game the gay, the gay plan. The game plan is to destroy and then rebuild up. And as you build up, you basically turn it into a fourth industrial revolution uh, powerhouse. Right in line with, of course, Agenda 2030, uh, United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, uh, the Great Reset, if you want to call it that. Uh, agenda 2030, basically. But uh, so look at this here subtitle. This is from I think back in maybe March of this year. It could be ma- March, maybe April. Check this subtitle.
2: Look at this. прем'єр-міністрами Болгарії та Хорватії про створення Росією загрози вільному мореплавству в Чорному морі, про нажив взаємодію на рівні Євросоюзу, про дієву підтримку України та напрацювання рішень для повернення миру. Провів сьогодні важливу нараду щодо післявоєнного відновлення та розвитку України. Вже зараз потрібно детально все працювати, щоб коли війна завершиться, ми були повністю готові. Ми розробляємо комплексний план, який передбачає відбудову зруйнованого, модернізацію державних структур та максимальне прискорення розвитку України. Йдеться не тільки про обсяг фізичної роботи, побудувати житло, відновити підприємства, завести новий бізнес, який працюватиме на відбудову інфраструктури та на оновлення економічних відносин в нашій державі, але й про переосмислення того, як буде розвиватись наша країна надалі, які галузі можна стати основою зростання після війни, які рішення і ресурси потрібні, щоб збільшити рівень переробки в Україні і не торгувати сировиною, як це було раніше, які міста стануть локомотивами економічного і технологічного зростання, підтягуючи за собою навколишні райони. Станом на цей час, якщо уважно послухати всі дискусії, які ведуться в нашій країні на різному рівні, про післявоєнне відновлення. Основна тема в них фактично про гроші. Який пакет фінансів потрібен, щоб відновитись після війни? Але я завжди наголошую, що гроші – це не фундамент для розвитку України, Ідеї. Ідеї, люди. ось, Ось фундамент. А вже коли є ідеї, є наш народ, то починаєш бачити, Бачити для чого і в якому обсязі потрібні гроші. Треба мати чітке розуміння того, якою ми бачимо ту чи іншу галузь нашої економіки, який напрямок розвитку очікує від того чи іншого міста, яку користь може принести державі загалом та та чи інша інституція. Звичайно, що для малого і середнього бізнесу маємо забезпечити максимально комфортне і вільне середовище з точки зору податків та адміністративних відносин. Звичайно, що цифровізація – це топ-пріоритет. Також топ-пріоритет для нас – це безпека. Оборонний потенціал має бути на новому рівні. Звичайно, що треба довести до результату судову, антикорупційну та інші
0: That's
2: важливі реформи. Але все це має працювати на конкретне бачення того, якою буде Україна. Якою вона буде через рік після війни. Через п'ять років після війни. 10, around, через десять 2030 райволвірам буде важлива для наших людей, що саме буде важливим для глобального бізнесу. Глобагомо кількість робочих місць і в яких галузях буде доступною для українців? Невід'ємним елементом такого стратегічного
0: бачення України
2: в Європейський Союз, і в цьому контексті сьогодні відбулась історична подія. Проходимо один з етапів перед вступом в ЄС. Ми передали відповіді на опитувальник, який отримала від Урсули фон дер Ляйн, президентки Єврокомісії, та Жозепа Бореля, керівника європейської дипломатії. Кожна yeah, держава, яка приєдналася <coughs> до Євросоюзу, проходила через таку ж процедуру з опитувальником.
0: Я індегіч та махадерстрімлайндія мебешіпканофей. Ба деморпортнти да сімпорт корсвайт депорта клубнау камонін. Uh, but the most important thing there is about the economic development, about the future and technology. It's going to be easy to open your businesses there. It's going to be for tax. It's going to be a digitalized economy. Right? We've talked about this. How basically all these plans have been put into fruition of them joining the fourth industrial revolution. And of course the destruction of the current infrastructure and their systems, is what's gonna enabling that. And now they're seeking that investment. That's why it's so important. Again, let me play that clip that Zelensky is like up there now, ringing the bell, seeking like 400 billion in foreign investment. Come on in, help us build the fourth industrial revolution. Check this out again here. I
2: invite you to Ukraine, invest in Ukraine, This will be your victory and a new success story for your companies. Slava Ukraini! Start your work!
0: totally organic uh totally not contrived or anything like that Advant, Hashtag advantage Ukraine. i you know i look at this and it's like you know we have so many people fighting over this of like you know oh if you're if you you know uh anti russia then you automatically is pro ukraine if you if you're not pro ukraine you're automatically anti russian and it's like this <clears throat> kind of fake and gay it's really Hegelian dialect. It's kind of, you know, kind of maybe a contrived term sometimes to use that or whatever. But it really it really is what it is. Coke or Pepsi is like, well, at the end of the day, BlackRock is going to get your money. You know, kind of thing. And it's very similar here, too, uh, to be honest. I mean, there's some elements where there's a little power struggle and back and forth. And yeah, yes, there is. But overall, these forces are seeking to... Uh, both destroy and build up at the same time. Uh, don't have your side, and you don't have to take their side. It's it, it truly is the the people in Ukraine and Russia that's suffering here. And now, of course, this conflict's being extended uh, beyond their borders. And of course, it's going to be a huge energy situation here come winter. And that's why remember we talked about the dark winter. It's like back last year, and the dark winter scenario is of course this year it's this year and going into next year that's the dark winter 2022 going into 2023 and we kind of i guess we were were a year early on that and so basically we have a video that encapsulates how ukraine will be kind of on the front lines really uh, of Agenda 2030, everything is being digitized. And we've we've shown you these uh, articles before. We've talked about the project websites that they've set up to basically uh, become hyper-modern and the most modern place in Europe and stuff like that. Uh, and again, much of this money is going to help to build up the system. Uh, but then you also have you have the weapons industry on one uh, one area. You have the corruption in the European Union and the EU and America in and of itself. As they funnel money into it, they can use the excuse of the Ukraine war uh, really just to launder their money, essentially, and, and and it ends up back into the pockets of the corrupt people. Uh, but it is interesting. You have to ask yourself <clears throat> that um, the establishment still to this day uh, denies and looks the other way uh, for forces in the Ukraine, which they are have been hunting, essentially, in the rest of the West for the last few decades, and they're willing to look the other way. They, they It truly demonstrates to you that they do not actually care about ideology. This is not an ideological fight. This is a fight for control and power at the end of the day. And they will use any group, any political ideology, any strategy, whatever is necessary uh, to get their plan coming into fruition. But anyway, this was an interesting clip here. Ukraine 2030, what will it be like?
3: Let's look eight years ahead. 2030. The history of the new Ukraine is studied all over the globe. Why? Because Ukraine became the most digital and convenient country in the world. Scripts have replaced bureaucrats. 500,000 former public servants are successfully integrated in the new economy. No more red tape, but paperless. No more banknotes, but cashless. Yes, we became the first country to abandon paper money. Ukraine now has the best tech system for the IT industry and the most affordable e-residency. Thanks to Ukrainian engineers and programmers, the R&D centers of the world's top technology companies operate successfully, and Ukraine ranks first in the world by the number of startups per capita. Ukrainian courts are guided by artificial intelligence, and all notarial acts take place online. Ukrainian customs is fully automatic and the fastest in the world. Customs clearance and car registration can now be done in three clicks from your smartphone. Because of war and internal migration, we have built the most flexible and modern digital education. Brave military and civilians get quality treatment with modern remote monitoring and e-health systems. Ukraine also has the most effective cyber defense in the world. After the horrors of 2022, Ukraine focused on security systems. Now every production facility has its air defense system, and the sleep of Ukrainians is protected by an ultra-modern iron dome. The Ukrainian government is digital, more like an IT company in terms of the efficiency of implementing decisions. And one can register a land plot, start construction, open a business or get a license, and register a car or real estate from a smartphone, automatically, in one click. Ukraine is the freest and digital, This is all because international partners and the world's leading technology companies supported the Digital for Freedom initiative and united to help Ukraine recover through digitalization. Building a new Ukraine together, free and the fastest, brave and digital.
0: (laughs) There you go. That summarizes it, right? The artificial intelligence will run the courts. It'll be perfect, right? Uh, I actually forget when that video was produced. I saw it resurfaced recently. Someone shared like a TikTok version of like the first 20 seconds or something like that of it. Uh, But that's, that's really what it's about. It's fascinating, right? And of course, you know, part of this destruction... Uh, is part of the uh, reason why they want to rebuild it up, right? Building back better. So it's all, all, all it is about. Uh, but for now, in the short term, uh, it's going to be an absolute disaster uh, in in Europe, right? And so we're going to talk about that today, and, and again demonstrate that the uh, energy crisis. Is 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 the dark winter. That is the climate lockdown. That the, the Ursula von der Leyen literally used the term flatten the curve. I think it was today or yesterday. I'm gonna play that cl- clip, I have that for you a little bit later. Uh fascinating. Fascinating stuff. Anyway, if you want to join us guys, uh tv. I didn't plug that yet. Uh, that is where we take super chats, but Odyssey and Rumble is open as well. Uh, and uh, yeah last fly- Friday we live stream only to Rumble today we're going up to Odyssey and to uh, Rumble and of course on our websites uh, and and through entropy stream. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll probably continue we'll probably try next Friday too here or the coming Friday uh, to do Rumble if you do not have an account over there if you feel so inclined, set one up i want to do one more experiment which is to get as many people as possible to click that plus icon down under the player on rumble on the left hand side which i guess is a rumble you click plus and we get more rumbles and i want to see if we get enough rumbles can we end up on the front page right if we want to do that experiments we'll see if we can do that so if you don't have a rumble account uh, please get one uh should be fairly simple i mean easy to set up uh, and follow us over on Rumble and make sure you click that plus sign underneath and see if that helps us at all. It would be interesting to see. All right. Anyway, we have two here from uh, Archie over on Entropy Stream. Thank you, Archie. He says, much of Ukraine is the third world. Destroying it would have been uh, uh, could have been deliberate to build back better. Absolutely. I think it's a new tech. And again, think of the zone, uh, the placement of it, right? It's, again, kind of... Obviously closer to the east than what like northern obviously in western Europe is and as they globalize and the Belt and Road Initiative Ukraine will be kind of like another hub potentially. I know they did stuff like this in Astana as well. You guys remember this? We looked at the architecture there and stuff like pyramids and weird like uh, torches and stuff and I'm not saying that that was dropped. But it's very interesting indeed if for some reason they relocate or maybe they need a second hub, you know, and Ukraine is dead. We've even talked about the kind of revival of the Khazarian Empire, you know, at least parts of eastern, southeastern Ukraine uh, was kind of part of old Khazaria. So people said this is like a, the second Israel, you know, things like this. A lot of interesting ideas, but the point is. They're seeking massive amounts of money and they're getting massive amounts of money. They're getting incredible amounts of uh, weaponry right now as well to to fight Russia. And uh, part of me can't help to think that uh, these are two two sides that are kind of, well, they're they're playing a part, you know. Uh, I mean, obviously, the, the conflict is very real to many. I'm not saying, saying it's all fake or whatever, uh, but if you climb up high up enough, uh, in the upper elites and the establishment circles of most countries they tend to um, well they collect connect with an International uh, clique of powerful individuals a club if you will uh, And most people are not part of that club and they decide and they uh, pull strings and they do things at their whim uh, To gain more control as I said to gain more power and that's ultimately what this is about It's not about the money. It's not about uh, an ideology or, or a political system, right? Archie says Ukraine uh, does have a lot of human capital, lots of Yamnaya's ancestry. That's right, exactly. Uh, I, I I think that's a uh, it's one of the oldest cultures in the world. We uh, have shown uh, it was up on the website, I think, called uh, Arata or Arada, however you pronounce it. Uh, one of the oldest civilizations. In fact, even the swastikas, like as a symbol, some of the oldest finds actually is in Ukraine. So it's a fascinating history. That kind of would make sense. Like let's 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 take that area, right? Let's dominate that. Let's rebuild that. Let's make that hub kind of of our new uh, era, if you will, right? Uh the Chinaman, good to see you. Says, will the winter affect certain demographics differently based on whether or not they evolved from cold climates? Right. I mean, that's a very interesting question, and that could be kind of a see i have two, two, two i'm a, i'm too split there and i obviously I'm, i i see what you're saying glenn and of course we're all thinking about this how will this affect basically uh primarily the immigrant populations in europe if indeed we get massive uh you know uh, uh energy blackouts and we can't heat our homes or whatever first i was like this could be kind of positive in a sense, right? That if like welfare is cut off, it's getting so hard and stuff, you could see a lot of these populations kind of self-deport essentially, which is like, they don't belong in Europe. It's better they go home now. They've overstayed their welcome. We're kind of, this kind of isn't working that great. So yes, please go back home. It's better for you there. And uh, you know, go go back and help your own culture. Uh, build up and, and build build back better where you come from kind of thing. But then at the same time, it's like, I could definitely see that our governments would help them above their own native populations. I can see that they would build, you know, heating centers or whatever. I mean, who knows how far and crazy this will will get. At some point they're like, they're gonna build some like underground bunker system and I think like THX 1138 and they're gonna try like, if you just come join us, you'll be, uh, you'll be, we can keep you warm and you'll be fed, you know, some like bug protein and getting your uh, concrete pod down underground somewhere. While the surface population, uh, you know, basically have left to fend for them for themselves. Uh, so I think it could go for, from two ways. One is like the government will take care of them, but not their, their own. And the other is it will be bad for everybody. And you see a lot of segment of the population, at least the immigrant population, actually leaving the con- these countries, right? Uh so could there be a positive thing, a light at the end of that tunnel tunnel? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's very possible. Uh and how how bad will it get? Is most that's the other dynamic here, too. Is most of this threats? Is 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 most of it hyped up where there is, because so far with the energy bills and the rise in the cost for most. Europeans and Americans, the energy is still being provided, but it's super expensive, right? So basically, and we saw the same thing happen with the gas prices, before even the shortage had actually hit the pumps, people were paying five, ten times more for the gas, or five times more, whatever it was, right? And so the prices go up before the shortage has actually fully hit, which means that the energy companies are going to make and are making Record profits right now. How do they get that energy? Is there complications? I'm sure there is. But they, wouldn't it be interesting if it's, it's like the second layer to this is they will be able to kind of pull this off. They will find alternatives. And yes, that production then might be a little more expensive for them. And actually, we have a clip a little bit later. One of the ladies said, talks about this that this is actually because of, uh, it was actually Fr- uh, France 24, what's that channel called? They were talking about how most of the cost and offset is on the consumer right now. And uh, it's I forget exactly how they worded it in the clip. We'll get to it. Uh, but that's, that seems to be part of this as well. That they might, they might be able to pull it through, but they're going to make record profits and kind of just basically like, you know, take the scalp essentially, or whatever it's called, uh, off of most uh, energy consumers right now. Uh, anyway, thank you, Glenn. Good to see you. So <clears throat> let's... Going to some other stories here then, which is, well, the Build Back Better plan is kind of interesting, right? Because we talk about the Belt and Road Initiative and, you know, some people have said, well, that's Russia and Israel. They're joining that right They're They're going that way. Here was a story from Breitbart. So that's from today. Oh, so it's a little, little while ago here, about a month ago. Uh, Zelensky asked uh, Xi Jinping for talks invites China to rebuild Ukraine. Right? right now we have this like surface level kind of, oh, China is the enemy of, of, uh, of, of the US and blah, blah, blah. There are some of those dynamics that do exist, but I think most of it is kind of play. Most of it is to, to get you to participate in the game and then later on when everything's said and done. We're still just looking at an upper echelon of people that are working together, and sometimes they use nationalism, you know, you you can see that, sometimes they use like, or patriotic sentiments in a country just like they're they're doing in Ukraine right now, and it's not that they're looking after the Ukrainian people, of course not, They're, 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 they're being run through the meat grinder right now, as an excuse. Um, and sometimes they use, you know, commie, uh, you know, ideologies and stuff like that. And it's very little about the na- national national uh, nationalistic uh, tendencies of many countries. But anyway, there's an interesting story. Ukraine President Zelensky told the South China Morning Post on Thursday that he would like to discuss his country's war against Russia with the leaders of Russia's closest ally, Xi Jinping, directly and invite China to help rebuild Ukraine once the war is over. We know how great uh, China is in building infrastructure, by the way, too, right? Zelensky's discussion with The Morning Post as Hong Kong, a Hong Kong newspaper was the first with an Asian news outlet since Russia escalated its eight-year-old war against Ukraine into a full-scale invasion in February. Zelensky used the opportunity to request a personal discussion with Xi uh, a this here, a genocidal communist dictator who's largely bankrolling the invasion of Ukraine through large purchases of cheap Russian oil and gas. Interesting, and here it is, right? Ukraine is a member of China's Belt and Road Initiative, a global program to trap poor countries in predatory loans to China that they can that they cannot afford. It's interesting that Breitbart, not at all, is talking about the influence of Israel here, right? Of how central Israel is in the Belt and Road Initiative, but uh, oh well. Big surprise. The loans are nominally meant to pay China for massive infrastructure projects. China was also Ukraine's top trading partner prior to the war. Last year, Zelensky said he hoped that Ukraine would become a bridge to Europe for Chinese influence in his last conversation with Xi. I'm not sure if that discussion with him has happened since this is about a month ago, the story. But uh, it's an interesting dynamic to bring into it. What role does the Belt and Road Initiative play in the Fourth Industrial Revolution and the Great Reset and all that stuff because that's what's happening in Ukraine is right at the forefront of that. Again, a reminder, Norman Foster, one of the big UK uh, 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 architects, uh, said he was going to build a city of the future for Ukraine once the war is over and stuff like that. Uh, This was uh, Kharkov, I think he talked about. Renowned British architect Lord Norman Foster has offered to help rebuild the city of Kharkov after it was heavily damaged in the military conflict between Russia and Ukraine. Foster says he's already drawing up plans for the city of high-tech revival and claims he could turn it into a city of the future. It's just fitting right into uh, the uh, Agenda 2030 Great Reset Fourth Industrial Revolution. Fascinating, right? And then, of course, just a reminder, lunatic and anti-white Maniacs such as Guy Verhofstadt, right, comes out. Amazing to see Ukraine's persistence in the face of Putin's brutality. Weapons, training, sanctions, energy. Europe must do everything to support them, fighting our fight as well as theirs, he said. And this is some uh, photo linked up here. Reportedly, the Ukrainian military entered uh, Vyskoplia in uh, the Kherson Oblast. And it was like he was his uh, patriotic foam over there. At the EU, uh, he, is he deposed now? Is he actually part of the? He's probably part of the EU still, right? He was, uh, I think he was retired a while ago. He was in a new position or something. I forget what happened. But absolute maniac and lunatic. And when you see them, these guys who's like notoriously like anti-European. And they're like they love the EU, of course, because that's again an anti-European institution, uh, frothing at the mouth of like supporting Ukraine. You're like, I don't know about this. It's like you know, again, it doesn't mean I'm shitting on like Ukrainians or anything like that. But the system that's being supported over there, the 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 infrastructure, the weaponry, the money, and all that stuff, all of that's being supported by NATO, by the West, by America, by Europe, and stuff. And it's like, I just, I I can't I can't see how they how you can be supportive of that you know considering what they have done to us and to our countries these institutions and these politicians uh, and our own countries right that how west has turned against its own population all of a sudden it's super patriotic and stuff when it comes to ukraine it's all bullshit they don't care about the ukrainians if they did they would have encouraged this war to be stopped much sooner and so this fight to get into this bicker as like nationalist over like oh you're pro-russia or you're pro-ukraine neither neither both of the sides and i'll show that a little bit later too how putin is just another layer of like uh i mean he's equally anti-european as we'll see later um he's play, he's play, it feels like he's playing his part are there some things that he's better on sure but much of it could just be talk as well and wordplay for the western cameras kind of thing but anyway it's a, it's an interesting dynamic but i think to to just be slavishly stuck to it and, like, one side is, is to kind of just, not that it, may, not that it matters. We can be, be super pro-Russian or super pro-Ukrainian as long as you literally are, like, not going down there and, like, trying to fight the, the war for them. Or uh, unless you, you organize to such an extent that we manage to stop, let's say, foreign aid to Ukraine or something like that. Unless you're actively engaged in helping to change the dynamic of the situation over there in some way, it doesn't matter squat. And it doesn't matter. All these people are fighting with each other of it. It's pathetic and useless and pointless, right? Uh, I think it's I think it's a game to a certain extent if you go high enough up in the layers uh, of our establishment. And I think that they're using the conflict to bring about this new dynamic that we'll, that we'll go into here in the show, right? So this is a reminder here a little bit uh, ago. We had a World Economic Forum video coming out and, of course, underlying the energy uh, crisis that would happen in europe this is also a few months old but now of course this this vision that they present uh, in the video here have coming to full uh, fruition i think it's uh, as most world economic forum videos are uh, texted and not narrated so check this out interesting have the same xylophone music in the world economic forum it's it's amazing all right anyway so the video conveyed this idea of like china uh russia let me try it again the video conveyed this idea that germany is basically they don't say it's too dependent on russian gas but that's obviously what they mean that's where they're getting majority of their energy and so therefore they have to go into solar and wind and blah, blah, yeah, blah, blah, and they, they they haven't. And that didn't happen, and it they, they didn't work. <laughs> and, it, and it cannot meet uh, the requirement now, the demand, as they are now cut off from uh, uh, Russian gas. Now, with uh, was in Nord Stream 2 now that was finally shut off? Was, was it one? I, I forget, but one of them anyway, completely shut off. And uh, the, the decommissioning of nuclear power in Germany has been insane there are you know some questions people have about spent fuel and and things like that but i've heard at least that there are methods to deal with this there's a way to burn it more efficiently and I like can burn everything look i'm not saying that isn't an issue but in comparison for all these crazy nuts out there who's pushing for like oh car you know we have to have zero net emission energy and blah 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 like nuclear is is is, is like the the greenest that you will have it look if you have a huge Disaster, or whatnot? Yeah, then it's not that great, but it's very safe. And for the most point, for the most part, I mean, what? That Chernobyl is like the biggest one, and it happened, of course, in Ukraine. Uh, was a bunch of uh, uh, fucking commies, uh, like low idiots, that have been positioned to do. The, they haven't denied it, right? They didn't do anything. and tried to cover it up for for the longest time. Ukraine, you could argue, they killed off some of their best people in like the Holodomor and stuff like that, and they filled it up with a bunch of you know Bolsheviks. It's going to take this over and then they run it into the into the ground. Uh, for the most part, if you have Western people, you know, uh, <clears throat> handling this, it's, it's for the most part safe. Look, don't build them in like a tsunami prone uh, area like they did with Fukushima. Don't build it on earthquake zones and stuff like that, right? But for the most part, it's a very reliable energy source for now. Could be better. I wish I wish there was some like magnificent tokamak reactor or something like that. And they're, they're working on that, but we don't have that yet. But anyway, point is Germany, right? Who is one of the worst situations now because they're the one. The countries are most dependent on uh, Russian gas, and obviously, I mean, what, what should what should Russia do? Also at the same time, like they keep taunting them, they keep providing weapons to Ukraine, they give them money and all that stuff. Well, they're forcing. Russia's hand to do this. And I'm saying this is kind of part of the game a little bit to put Europe in this situation right now. One, to be able to build back better, yes. But two, it's also to harm our populations. It's actually to try to get people to freeze to death. And then you have the COVID thing and the the sicknesses and the bi, bioweapons, uh, you know, the, the vaccines and all this stuff. Everything is compounding. And to not be able to heat your homes would be disastrous for millions and millions of people in Europe, obviously. So anyway, back in... Uh, uh, May of 2011, uh, Chancellor Angela Merkel uh, and her coalition announced that Germany's 17 nuclear power stations will be shut down by 2022. Isn't that amazing how, like, that plan that was set into, uh, you know, suggested, proposed back in 2011, finally, 11 years later, comes into full swing? at a time when Russia goes to war with Ukraine which then means Europe supports Ukraine which means Russia cuts off the gas right so now of course Germany is down to like we're going to we have to build heating centers uh you know in 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 the, in the big cities so people can go, go there to to stay warm right man it's 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 absolutely insane that they pull this off and then it's like well we're going to build solar and we're going to have and again solar hugely detrimental to the environment in fact and the european forests are, are being used now as for wood pellets we have that story later too It's absolutely insane and i mean we'll we'll get to it later because i want to uh, get ahead of myself here um exclusive from uh 20 november 2021 so last year merkel defends nuclear power exit Despite climate challenges, this is from Reuters here, an exclusive story. Um, okay, so some redaction here. What is it? Re- refill to clarify. Okay, anyway. Chancellor Angela Merkel has defended her decision to phase out nuclear energy, even though it has made it harder for Germany to wean its economy off fossil fuels. <clears throat> Excuse me. In an interview with Reuters, the outgoing chancellor also said she was opposed to any plans by the European Union to label nuclear power as sustainable. Of course. Can't be that. It's true, of course, that we now face the very ambitious and challenging task of completing the energy transition while phasing out coal and nuclear power, said Merkel, who will step down once blah, blah, blah. Good she's out of that. But that legacy of like she has she and her cronies and her ilk is the one that have I mean, we'll see what happens here. But she's the one who might have had a bunch of stiff frozen bodies on her hands, if you know what I mean, come come winter here. But it's also true that this will be worth f- worth it for our country if we do it right. Yeah, you certainly, every step of the way, I, I think they still will blame negligence, incompetence, idiocy and these kinds of things. And that's certainly part of it uh, if you look at the lower levels of decision making and Sometimes, yes, the faces you see on your TV and these politicians, blah, 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 you know, take like the new uh, UK Prime Minister who just got elected, Liz Truss, absolute moron. I mean, we talked about, we showed a video, in the weekend War show, the latest show uh, on the members' website about that, and she seems to be completely just—I mean—out of it. Just an empty vessel. Uh, I mean, if it was bad enough with Boris Johnson. This is even worse. The leaders we get are just worse and worse and worse and worse. Bigger idiots, right? But then if you go high high up enough, they—they they know what they're doing. This is not an accident. These these are they know they wanted to shut shut it all down. I mean they they do a a controlled demolition of civilization. That's what's happening here. Uh and this is part of it. All right, anyway, so that's the piece on Merkel her, her defending this decision. So keep that in mind if and when we actually get a massive uh cold snap and again a, a very we could be looking at a very dark winter here uh in Europe of course which which is absolutely insane. <clears throat> Melindy over on Rumble says uh, Hail Red Ice Den Mother here. Good to see you. Thank you. Uh, how about turning off the skyscrapers a bit more, eh? Especially the banker ones. No, gonna, those are going to those going to be keeping running. They're they're turning off um, traffic lights, right? They're turning off uh, certain parts of the cities, like lighting up our statues and things. See see how this this works, right? No no, the banker offices will always be powered. They will always be on. They're going to have some. Uh, uh, Zero-point energy reactors in their basement, <clears throat> if they have to. Uh, they'll start actually implementing like the, the supposed, uh, you know, hidden and uh, uh, covered-up energy sources out there, the more uh, novel ones, right? Uh, and 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 just to keep their lights on while the rest of us freeze. And with us another story here to update <clears throat> regarding. 2 which is one of the nuclear power plants in Germany too there was a proposal to kickstart them and like to turn them back on very quickly again by one of the ministers <clears throat> excuse me guys uh, the operating company of the nuclear power plant ezr 2 poison Electra poison so the p- Preusen, that's uh, uh, Prussia right? Uh, Prussia Electric has rejected the proposal of the Federal Ministry of Economics to send two of the three nuclear power plants in operation to the Cold Reserve at the turn of the year. This is obviously a little wonky translated. It's Google Translate, but basically saying Proposal start up two of the three again so we can like heat our homes this winter, okay? No, rejected of course. A letter To this effect, was available from Bayerisch uh, Rundfunk, not sure what that is. The proposal to send the systems into reserve operation at the turn of the year, so later this year coming up, in order to start them up again, if necessary, is technically not foreseeable and therefore unsuitable. uh, The letter read there from one of the companies. So that's not part of the equation either to start up. So, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? Are they going to freeze? What's going to happen here, right? And just a little quick reminder here: uh, how Germany, the people representing Germany, laughed and they laughed and they smirked and they joked and they said, "Ha ha ha! That that that's insane! I can't believe you're 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 saying that right now." Of course, Trump actually did say that uh, you are being too dependent on uh, Russian gas. This uh, will be a bad idea. You'll you'll have you'll struggle with your energy at some point. And literally, all the ministers. Was is, is this the UN or something? I think this is the UN. Uh, we're laughing at him and uh, <clears throat> I guess that was some 40 chess on his part for once. Uh, they smirked when Trump warned them about energy dependence on Russia. Trump was supposed to be opposing on all things <clears throat> uh, Trump was supposed to be opposed on all things at the time. now Germany's in trouble with the energy Europe will be a cold place this winter the uh, title to that yeah, here's that here's one of the videos I want to play where they talk about... Uh, How much Norway can provide, right? They are probably doing very well at this too. Norway has one of the, I think they do have the largest sovereign wealth fund of any country in the world. uh, Because of their, uh, damn it, Sweden should have hang on to Norway. Fuck yeah. Anyway, uh, they (laughs) they struck gold, literally, right? Uh, Not literally, but kind of figuratively. uh, When they discovered oil. Uh, off their western uh, coast back in the 70s. And of course ever since, now they're doing like weird things with like, they're expanding like their electric vehicle, uh, you know, factories and things like this. But anyway, uh, a little bit more here kind of from official sources, uh, It's a CNBC. Yeah, CNBC, the the financial uh, outlet there, talking about this situation.
4: I think we're in this situation with Russia right now, where we just don't know how far they're going to go in terms of weaponizing energy. They've basically said, as you said, no gas through Nord Stream 1. Are they gonna cut off Turk Stream? Are they gonna basically suspend all gas through Ukraine? Are they going to take Europe to zero? And the Europeans have been very clear, they've built storage, they're building out infrastructure. But if we get a very cold winter in Europe, I don't see how we're not gonna get through this without major industrial curtailment rationing it's going to be very very expensive in terms of what governments are going to have to pay to keep their populations at all satisfied with energy prices
5: and this is an incredibly important point that you're making and i want to highlight for our audience that is sort of maybe following the story they know a little bit about it but they don't really understand where we stand they, they hear that okay german storage is at 85 percent and right. that is good news but here's the issue germany has never existed through a winter on storage alone they tend to draw their storage down do they not even with additional flows
4: absolutely and again they've gotten to 85 percent because russian gas was flowing up till you know a couple months ago brian this may not be a crisis just for this winter this could be a multi-winter crisis because if there is no gas going forward europe is going to have a huge supply problem going Forward, even with this infrastructure buildup. Because again, there's not a lot of additional gas in this system. I was just in Norway, the Norwegians have really raised their oil and gas production by close to 10%. But they are saying, we're number one supplier to Europe for now. But we don't know how much more we can do. We're pretty much tapped out. So that is a real challenge is there's just not a lot of additional gas volumes out there.
5: Well, thankfully, the United States has been selling liquefied natural gas. And by the way, the Chinese have probably been reselling some, have they not? I mean, we sell it from Texas. The Chinese take ownership of it. The ship gets halfway across the Pacific. And then somebody in in the UK and Europe buys it back from the Chinese at some hugely elevated rate
0: because that is absolute. I I don't doubt it. Right. This is how insane it is. But that's just so dumb and so idiotic. You know, we're run by idiots. Well, we're, we're we're visually we're run by idiots, right? Those in front of our cameras, as I said. <clears throat> if you go high up enough, you you we're not run by idiots. We're run by very smart people, but they're making it look like we're run by idiots. That's my point.
5: Because they need the liquefied natural gas. If the Chinese, for some reason, start to get aggressive in buying that gas again and not reselling it, or it right. gets really cold in China right. again, where they need the energy, they stop the COVID lockdowns. What then? Yeah.
4: Right. I mean, this is the big conundrum is if we have a cold winter, not only in Europe, but in Asia, and they bid away these volumes. I mean, as you know, think about Qatar, huge natural gas supplier. Their volumes are largely under long term contract to Asia. If you have Asia actually entering the spot market and competing with Europe for volumes, that is only going to make it that much more challenging for Europe to get through winter.
5: Okay, OPEC. Alright,
0: I wouldn't have to hear the rest. Right. So you get the point. It's an interesting discussion, right? But again, you, ha- you have to understand this. Like behind behind this war, right, in, in Ukraine is a is a very it's 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 kind of easy to see, but it's a complex complex network of actors, right, and, and agendas that is basically setting us towards this path of I mean, full control, you could call it kind of a so other people said it's like a meta martial law. In some cases, it might even be that you even have the potential of them bringing back the lockdowns later on as well. The COVID lockdowns uh, or they just might do it over energy, but it could be a combination of both. Right. But the point is, it's like everything is being uh, centralized everything's been digitized which means that digital economy is coming in the wake of this which means you have of course rationing things could be turned on and off they could you know they might turn off your energy in fact that's happening in the us now we have some clips on that later too but imagine with that starting happening happening to your money because you're not obey or obeying or whatever or your electricity we're just turning it off for you right ukraine serves to 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 trigger an energy crisis that ultimately invokes the constitution of a formalized global energy economy, and the coerced implementation of Schwab's fourth industrial revolutions, right? And that's also gonna help to accelerate the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, which uh, number seven of those, what is it, 23 or 12? I forget what it is. uh, Sustainable energy for all. Total accidents, right? Almost all sustainable energy technology uh, is basically fraudulent, it's very, much of it is just you know subsidized, artificially boosted, and stuff. And you, how, what are you going to do over winter when you, you you know the little solar and wind that you have is is not working as well, right? Uh, so this is going to produce extreme hardships, right? And and I think <clears throat> that is the point. That is the, the absolutely the point of this. Um, and of course, a reminder: look at what they said in Germany too. We played this Friday, but if, if you didn't see that yet. Uh, they're so insane that they're basically saying Ukraine, you know, Slava Ukraina over your own people, over our own countrymen. Listen to the uh, German, uh, what is he, foreign, foreign minister here.
6: But if I give the promise to people in Ukraine, we stand with you as long as you need us then I want to deliver. No matter what my German voters think, but I want to deliver to the people of Ukraine. And this is why, for me, it's important to be always very frank and clear. And this means every measure I'm taking, I have to be clear that this holds on as long as Ukraine needs me. We are facing now a winter time where we will be challenged as democratic politicians. People will go on the street and say, we cannot pay our energy prices. And I will say, yes, I know, so we help you with social measures. But I don't want to say, okay, then we stop the sanctions against Russia. We will stand with Ukraine, and this means the sanctions will stay also in winter time, even if it gets really tough for po- politicians.
0: Even if it gets very tough for politicians. I mean, that's incredible, right? Wow. They don't give a shit about you. They do not give a fuck about you. This <laughs> is nothing. You know what I mean? It's just like we and again, is this because they truly are patriotic when it comes to Ukraine? No, of course not. As I said before, if they if they really were, they would have, you know, stopped putting them through the meat grinder and and, and stopped uh stopped the war. And, and and try to, you know, mediate and just say, oh, you know, the eastern portions, hand those over to Russia and then we'll find a, a truce agreement and all that kind of stuff. But no, it's just been nonstop. Like we, uh, we even if their our own capitals crumble, we're gonna continue to support Ukraine. It's like some weird neo-Zionistic type thing, you know, Nancy Pelosi talking about like Even if America crumbles to the ground, our support for Israel will still be there. It's like, that's how they are acting now, but over Ukraine, which is bizarre. Anyway, the uh, crazy outlet The the Atlantic uh, had a piece here by uh, none other than uh, Neocon David Frum that was even so... It's so insane that even these people are beginning to question it. It's a very big gamble. You have to keep that in mind, too, which is another dynamic here. I mean, unless they can somehow take full control what they just think just if we press enough on the gas pedal and fast enough you know people won't be able to heat themselves they won't be able to feed themselves they basically they'll start dying if they all start dying no one's going to protest but at the same time in that intermediary period when people do have an ability to find some other way of taking care of themselves at least in the short term you're going to see reasonably, I hope, I mean, that that will be like, or maybe that's it. I mean, if we don't see massive protest over that, I guess I guess that's it. Then, then it's over. Like no one wants to be alive anyway. They don't give a shit about anything. They don't care about it, whatever. But I'm saying, I think you're going to see massive protests. And there's two options. One is those protests will be so powerful and forceful that they cannot uh, deal with them. Or the second is they will be able to deal with them somehow, or they will use things such as the COVID measures or COVID lockdowns, or something like that and wheel that back into the situation and hopefully they think they will scare enough people to say, oh, you can't go outside again, you know, kind of thing. But anyway, the Atlantic piece here is um, the West's nuclear mistake. No government that really regarded climate change uh, as its top energy priority would close nuclear plants before the end of their useful lives. Well, they have done that anyway, which is remarkable. In Germany and here in the United States, politicians who want to be seen as environmentalists are increasing greenhouse gas emissions by forcing the premature closing of serviceable nuclear power plants. You might think that Germany as a global environmental leader, uh, or you might think of Germany as a global environmental leader, but if you can look at actual practices, you'll see a different story. Germany burns a lot of coal, ranking ninth in the world coal consumption in 2020. And of course, this is not a problem right i have a story on that later too how this war on carbon is insane and in fact it will lead to uh, if implemented all the way through will lead to the collapse of our ecosystem but but then again maybe that's maybe that's what they want all right anyway so the point is even the atlantic can see how insane this is here's that clip that's right this is the clip where they're talking about some how some of the offsets or the cost is offset onto the consumer and they're beginning here talking about macron he had a uh, talk with Olaf schultz here just uh, was this today i think it is or uh, well, the other day here and um uh, the headline is macron urges french the french to save energy says ready to send gas to germany and uh, macron have been slightly reasonable in the situation. He at least have said we're going to re like, we got to build nuclear power plants now. Um, But anyway, let's check out the clip here
6: what do you make of what we've been hearing from the president
7: well nadia we heard from macron a lot of positive signaling about the green energy transition to start talking about france.
0: <laughs> <laughs> bullshit complete garbage yeah it's very po- it's worth the green transition that we're forcing hard right now is turning out great it's going it's going real well swell stuff
7: wind farms uh, france has a, a a lot of new nuclear projects in the pipeline but really there were two big themes here that
0: that's he- okay i i'll give him that right i mean Wind farms horrible, detrimental visually to the environment. The big sounds are horrible from these things. They just they, I mean, they look like an alien tripod in a natural landscape. It's ultimately to like screw with nature. Nuclear power plants much more positive towards that. So at least I'll give Macron that. That if they rebuild that. Okay, good. I'll take that. It's better than nothing, right? He hit Obviously.
7: upon repeatedly solidarity uh, in Europe and sobriety. Uh, for solidarity, France, Germany, and Spain especially together send a lot of electricity and gas back and forth to one another uh, based on the need at the time uh, through networks. Um and France said that it would absolutely stand with uh, Germany uh, if it needs it. Now Germany of course relies more heavily on Russian gas than uh, most European countries and that's really what we're dealing with here of course is all about the price of gas skyrocketing in the face of Russia cutting off the Nord Stream 1 pipeline uh, this past week and then keeping it closed. Uh, Unexpectedly, not entirely unexpectedly this Monday, we're seeing uh, today the price of European natural gas futures up around 18%, that's for the day, they're up 400% for the year, Um, and that's really taking a big hit on the economy there, so France is saying... They will. Uh, we will, of course, uh, send gas to Germany as needed. Uh, we we could send gas to Spain, but we don't need to because we've been stocking up on our gas, et cetera. And that brings us to the next theme, the sobriety. Uh, and this is a, a, a theme that we've heard a lot from the French government uh, in recent days. Uh, just last week, we had uh, the, the Conference of France's business leaders, the MEDEF, uh, where the prime minister, Elizabeth Bourne, told uh, the, 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 the employers gathered there that all businesses in France need to have an energy sobriety plan in place essentially by this week uh, to, to avoid the potential for rationing this winter. And Macron, of course, painting well, a very... What do, you mean? what do
0: you mean sobriety? Oh, they're talking about sobriety. Fuck that shit. Like, you're the ones responsible who have created the situation. What do you mean? Like, oh, we got. To, oh, you have to start rationing. You have to build uh, ways that you can, pursue, you know, what store uh, f- energy somehow or fuel or what well, gas. I mean, this is insane. These are our despicable, disgusting scum of leaders that have created this situation. We might be looking at a, a, a scenario here now, where you seeing you're going to see countless of Europeans freeze to death because of these dumb politicians. I mean, if if this doesn't if this doesn't get these people out of these positions of power, I, I don't know what will, right? They've shown time and time again, they don't care about us. They don't give a shit about us. They shit on us all the time and they make it just worse. The longer this goes on, it, it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse, right? Life expectancy is now declining, right? We can't food shortages, right? The, and the energy plays into this too, right? the situation in Holland, for example, uh, now it's like super expensive with, with the electricity, which means, with the energy, which means of course that uh, greenhouses and things like that in, in the Netherlands uh, is decommissioning. They're not running as many of them, which of course is another uh, hurtful uh, like a policy on the food uh, supply, on the food chain, right?
7: A very, a very prepared picture of France in this press conference uh, saying that our gas stocks are, are at more than 90% Europe's are at more than 80%. In the first question, we saw there though a lot of talk of the potential for uh, rationing uh, if uh, France does not save enough energy uh, in preparation for the winter, and depending on, of course, factors like temperature and usage, things like that. So, if-
0: so that's why they're now coming out <clears throat> and they're they're threatening and they're saying you better you better conserve energy or else. That's what's happening now. It's happening in the U.S. too. We have some clips to show on that, but they're basically coming out and they're saying you you if you don't do this. If you don't conserve energy during peak hours, we'll, pay, we'll start punishing you. See so how this plays in with like the things like the social credit score or like your smart meter. Right now, people have smart thermostats, right? so they're being shut down involuntarily. Oh Well, you know, you're, you were, you were uh, when you signed up, you, you volunteered to be part of the smart meter program or smart therm- thermometer or th- thermostat program, and so we can turn it off whenever we want to. See so how this works?
7: Uh, Macron once again calling on uh, on, on his, his fellow countrymen to cut their energy use by some 10%. Uh, also talking about diversifying the energy supply quite a bit. Uh, Germany today uh, has been um, considering a plan to keep some of its own nuclear plants open. Uh, after the Fukushima disaster in 2011, uh, Chancellor Angela Merkel started to wind down the country's energy program. Obviously, a lot of second-guessing of that decision now. But uh, sobriety? <laughs> Well, was second guessing.
0: Yeah, to- totally just uh, ran, it, not interconnected. Not- it, it just stands alone on its own issue. That doesn't no reasoning uh, behind this. It's just a, just an accident. It just happens to be uh, that we de- decommissioned everyone. And then right at the year when it's time to actually uh, uh, have all these new green energy services in place, we don't have them in place. And also we go to war with uh, Russia, essentially a proxy war in Ukraine, and they cut off our gas. Yeah, just, just you know, these things
7: happen. It's fine. 30 in Europe, as we see here, from Macron.
6: And Macron speaking today, as you said, after he spoke with the German Chancellor Olaf Scholz a little earlier today, they're trying to get their ducks in a line, aren't they, um, ahead of that EU summit on energy, which is coming up on Friday.
7: Yeah, they are. Uh, and, and it's going to be a big deal. Um, it's been it's been uh, really played up in the past week, uh, especially. And one of the things Macron alluded to it uh, in in his uh, answer to a question there that's going to come up at this meeting on Friday is what's called the merit order pricing system, and it's how europe sets its electricity prices on the the continental energy markets
0: yeah look at this what was it called he he mentions it again but listen to what he says here that basically oh because of this rule in this new way of dealing with energy all of the costs going to be offset onto the consumers listen the
7: way it works is uh that the cheapest sources of energy which are usually renewables like wind and solar things that once you have the infrastructure in place they don't cost anything to produce energy they put their power into the system first The prices, however, are set using, not entirely by, but using the most expensive uh, form of energy production, which right now is gas. So consumers at the end of the line are essentially paying a much, often much higher rate for their energy than it's actually costing to produce because of Of this. Of
0: course. Of course it is. (laughs) Do you see?
7: These people hate you. Do you understand? Right? That's, that's. Of course it does. legal system that we have in place called the Merit Order System it was actually intended to boost green energy production because if you are a wind farm, you're getting paid gas money for your electricity. That boosts your <laughs> profit margins. People <laughs> in the market, market forces say, oh, I should build a wind farm because they're getting paid a lot of money. When gas prices are as high as they are, the system is completely out of whack. You see people paying, you know, in Germany <laughs> twice, three times their electric bill to not even talk about. Day. here in france we have uh, uh it's just these people are just scum
0: you know what i mean that's and it's totally intentional I'm, I'm i'm certain of that it's this is no this is not an accent it's one thing after another uh, eu proposed a, uh, a mandatory target for reducing electricity at peak hours in order to here it is right here's ursula von der leyen i think this is from today to flatten the curve. That's right. Here we go. COVID language now brought into the energy crisis. This
6: is what is expensive, because in these peak demands, the expensive gas comes into the market. So what we have to do is flatten the curve and uh, avoid the peak demands.
0: I just I can't even believe they're doing this to us right in our faces. They're doing this. This is just like, They hate us. (laughs) What else can you say?
6: This is what is is expensive, because in these peak demands, the expensive gas comes into the market. So what we have to do is flatten the curve and uh, avoid the peak demands. We will propose a mandatory target for reducing electricity use at peak hours. And we will work very closely with the member states to achieve this.
0: Basically, we'll screw them all over and we'll do whatever we want because that's, uh, well, that's just what we do uh, here in the EU. And uh, actually, the commission in of itself is not even uh, elected. It's selected. How about that? The EU commission. That's where the power lies. Europe's Lehman warning on energy prompts flurry of cash aid. Price jumps are increasing margin calls and uh, on power providers. Multiple governments are offering credit lines and loans to help. Oh, good, so we can end up further and deeper into debt. Of course, we are. European governments are patching together emergency measures to support utilities amid fears that companies will buckle under the weight of growing margin calls, growing margin calls, worsening an energy crisis that sent prices soaring and left the continent short of gas. Recent, maybe we can have, uh, maybe maybe we can have the people in the uh, <coughs> European Parliament eat some more of their uh, filet mignon uh, uh, the what is it called the the, the force-fed duck liver and caviar shipped in and they can just fart into a pipe or something like that recent days have seen a flurry of news from sweden to switzerland to the uk as companies and governments try to get grips with the situation norway's equinor asa have said that European energy trading risks collapsing under the weight of margin calls amounting to at least 1.5 trillion, I guess that's US dollars, not euros. On Tuesday morning, Finnish utility Fortum, uh, OYJ, got 2.35 billion euros of bridge funding to ensure adequate liquidity. So, And, and again, so what are they... Where are they buying this from? Is that what they're trying to say? Now they're competing with China and they have to buy liquefied natural gas. Is How are they? How? It, I mean, it's all down to that, right? Do, do they individually have to buy energy from someone and whoever has more cash essentially can outbid someone else and then they get it? Is that? I guess that's how it works. I guess that's the procedure. As opposed to nations going in and buying like for a whole region or something. Switzerland granted Expo a credit line of up to 4 billion francs as about 4.1 billion US dollars the company which produces and trades renewable energy asked for the credit line but hasn't used it yet along with such actions have come dire warnings as wild price moves increase the amount of collateral companies uh, or amount of collateral companies need to maintain hedges Finland is warning of a energy industry Lehman Brothers moment with uh, companies facing sudden cash, cash shortages. Uh, it and Sweden announced a $33 billion emergency liquidity facility uh, Sunday to backstop utilities through loans and credit guarantees. <laughs> it's just, they're doing it to the housing market, now they're doing it to energy, then they're going to do it with, with food, right? You see how this goes. In the UK... Centrica PLC is in talks with banks on the potential extension of credit lines. According to a person familiar with the matter, Centrica declined to comment. The aid effort is a response to what is a rapidly worsening situation, particularly after Russia cut off gas supplies through the key Nord Stream pipeline. Power providers and energy traders face huge margin calls last winter when gas prices jumped to what then were record highs. Now those levels are dwarfed after. Months of price surges, governments are beginning to heed industry warnings that policy support may be needed, with prices expected to stay higher for longer. Uh, Says their companies have been bleeding cash for a long time because of the margin calls and collateral requirements. Secretary General of Power Industry of Group uh, Euroelectric said this triggers the question what if things get worse? Governments need to be ready to handle such a situation and back up companies with a direct credit. Otherwise, there's a risk of one failing and dragging down others. The European Commission is also examining measures to help with liquidity. These could include credit lines from the European Central Bank. Oh, good. Just what we need. New products as margin collateral uh, and temporary suspensions of derivatives markets, according to a policy background paper seen by Bloomberg News. Anyway, they go through a couple of other European countries there, but you get the idea. So now we're going to get more deeper in debt, right? Of course, great. Very, very good. Just what we need. Financial Times had this story, too. Uh, Europe's new dirty energy, the unavoidable evil of wartime fossil fuels. And, of course, you know, this is really not a problem with carbon. It's totally fine. And uh, But but this is how it's seen, right? Now they have to b- fall back, essentially, on uh, you know on bad energy sources, uh, which is kind of funny in one one way, but I also I also be, I also think that at some point we're going to start seeing. We're, you're going to see talks of going back onto you know oil or gas or you know other means, basically coal power plants, these kinds of things, and you're going to see money and funds raised to build that infrastructure or to go you know go back on that those systems or those uh, uh, means. But then you basically are not going to see anything come out of that situation because I, I I still think that they're so they're so faithful to this idea of like the greening of the economy and carbon neutral and you know net zero and all that stuff that they probably won't actually do anything about it. But we'll, we'll see what happens. It says here in last uh, in July last year. EU commissioners set out a range of green policies. Remember, they passed a Green New Deal basically for Europe. We covered that at the time. Uh, to put the continent on a path to becoming climate neutral by 2050. The fossil fuel economy has reached its limits, said Ursula von der Leyen, the commission's president. Little more than a year later, those commissioners are now overseeing tens of billions of euros of spending on fossil fuel infrastructure and supplies amid severe cuts to gas supplies from Russia and record high prices. And how, how quickly would that happen? Is that going to meet the demands? I, I don't know, right? remains to be seen. Data analysis uh, analyzed by the energy think tank Ember Climate for the Financial Times suggests that European governments will spend at least 50 billion euros this winter on new and expanding fossil fuel infrastructure and supplies, including... Gas shipped in from overseas and coal to fuel previously mothballed power plants. And this is constant back and forth, too. We're going to go green. Here's a Green New Deal. Here's just billions and billions of, of euros, or here's even trillions of euros to go to this effort. And then all of a sudden it says, nope, strategy change. We're not going to build infrastructure for fossil fuels again because we, gotta, we, we don't have enough energy. It's it's, compl- it's and, and And of course, what... Money's lost along the way. These are ending up back into the pockets of people that are, you know, proclaiming them or something. It also kind of shows you this, that the green uh, pipe dream is just that—it's a big scam and it's a way for a lot of corrupt people to make a lot of money. And now, if they're changing tra- you know, uh, changing, um, you know, horse mid race, so-, so to speak. What's going to happen with the prior greening plans? Are they going to still work on those or are they just dropping that altogether? What's happening with those funds, with that money that was allocated for those goals? Right. There's so many questions here. The EU, which previously relied on Russia for about 40% of its gas and more than half of its coal, seems to have little choice. Industries from fertilizer manufacturers to sink smelters have had to close. Unable to pay the cost of fuel, energy bills are pushing consumers to near poverty. The bloc is now preparing for a bailout to rival the response to the 2008 banking crisis, like we just read. Figures from the economic think tank Bruegel suggest that EU governments have already allocated $280 billion between September 2021 and July this year to protect consumers from skyrocketing energy prices. Well, that worked out great. Providing cuts to fuel tariffs, paying for shipped gas and giving handouts to vulnerable households. See, this is what they'll do. Down to your question there earlier, Glenn, they'll give handouts to households that are considered minorities and most uh, in most need of these things, and then they'll say uh, f you to uh, to white Europeans. The situation worsened on Monday when the Kremlin said the gas supplied through the critical Nord Stream one pipeline would be suspended until Western sanctions are lifted, pushing Europe another step closer to recession. EU energy ministers are to gather for an emergency meeting in Brussels on September 9th. So that's this Friday when we're doing the show. So we'll see what comes out of that. We'll cover that at the time. They're going to discuss a coordinated response at that point. Um, The EU's reaction to Moscow's so-called weaponization of energy supplies have been to propose a levy on non-gas power generators, including renewables, which are benefiting from the high prices, as well as to ramp up alternative fossil fuel supplies to stop citizens freezing this winter. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be good, thank you. Seven floating terminals to process liquefied natural gas from non-Russian sources are due to come online in Germany the Netherlands and between Estonia and Finland in time for winter at a minimum total cost of 3.7 billion euros between October and next March. It's these like temporary patch solutions, right? Like, oh, is that enough? Oh, we don't have that enough. Oh, let's go back and run. Oh, no, here's more money for fossil. Oh, let's do a, let's do it. A floating terminal in the ocean that can process liquefied natural gas. You know, that's shipped in from where? Like China? It's just so insane. At least 19 more planned are planned across the EU with overall project costs reaching almost 10 billion euros, not including outlay for necessary additional infrastructure such as pipelines and jetties. Together, these will allow for an additional 30 billion euros in imported gas based on current estimates. I anyway, mean, they talk about Germany and what they're doing in Brussels, but they had the... Uh, let me see. Yeah, European countries are... Scrambling to build more import terminals for liquefied natural gas, you can see the map there under construction and operating, proposed in orange. Uh, they have here's the graph. Right here it is. The offset dilemma: fossil fuels and renewables have both picked up as hydro and nuclear output falls. Of course, it should never have gotten rid of uh, nuclear. why why does hydro fall? I don't get that. What's the point with that? Is that because of the drought? Is that what the reason is? Anyway, year-on-year change in electricity generation in EU countries by fuel type. This is from January to August in 2022. And as you can see, the nuclear down 70. What's the... uh, Okay, terawatt hours. Okay, that's what the measurement is here. So down 70 terawatt hours. Hydro down 62. Meanwhile, hard coal up 20. Lignite, I'm not even sure what that is. Is that a form of coal or something? Plus 17 terawatt-hours. Gas plus 23, solar plus 32, and wind plus 26, other oh, minus five. Anyways, there it is, right? So they get the great evil. And this is, of course, all Russia's fault. Let's blame Putin, but of course, they're the ones doing this to themselves, essentially and to make matters worse let me take this from space kang here from the 1800s protocol three poverty as our weapon is that uh, the uh, protocols of zion or something? yeah it is isn't it <laughs> yeah well if you want control i mean you do it by controlling people well food is i think the ultimate one but again if you can't heat your home i mean apparently now there's like reports of like people in germany going out and chopping wood can you imagine what people must be feeling now too? Of those who have decommissioned wood stoves in their homes, I know that Sweden this. This, this was seen as like, oh, well, that's that's old and outdated, and that's like not modern and not high standards. So they're like they plugged up at, like beautiful old the ceramic uh, fireplaces, wood stoves, and uh, <clears throat> some cases they turn them into like some you know a, a, what do you call like a decorative uh, you know little gas stove or something like that or like you have a flame in there like but we put gas powered but they can't heat the homes and how many are in that situation what are you gonna do then it's absolutely insane and it gets worse check this out this is this is truly truly evil stuff and uh, and I mean we I, we called this I said that the, the new graining process that we're going through right now agenda 2030 great reset call it what you will absolute zero Sustainable Development Goals, all of that stuff, and the green uh, net zero agenda, which purportedly is about saving the environment and helping the climate, and the Earth is dying, so we have to save it, right? That's the arguments. And if you don't do what we say, you will die. Well, now people are doing what they're saying, and they're dying, and you're destroying the environment. And we said that. like This agenda is literally, at the end of the day, it's about... Cutting down the forests, leveling our nature, and basically turning into like a you know desert planet like Mars or something like that. that, and that's what's what's happening in Europe right now. Essentially, look, it's not as bad yet, but it's still I mean horrific. Europe is sacrificing its ancients, ancient forests for energy. Governments bet billions on burning timber for green power. The times went deep into one of the continent's oldest woodlands to track the hidden costs. This came out here today. Loggers harvested these trees from a protected forest and stacked them on a muddy path in northern Romania. The logs were part of one of Europe's most ecologically significant woodlands. We tracked them as they were loaded onto trucks. And here's the map of where they were taken, Right Uh, where they were logged first. Where the truck uh, is, the pickup location was. They were driven to a factory. Again, we're in Romania here. Uh, that they, they grind down these trees into sawdust to form pellets, and then they are, of course, uh, shipped out every, all over the place. Wood pellets like these are marketed throughout Europe as a way to turn waste and debris into green energy. But at this factory alone, records show. Hundreds of shipments from protected forests in the past year. Of course it is. Sickening. And then they're showing here. Across Central Europe, companies are clear-cutting forests and grinding up centuries-old trees in the name of, you guessed it, renewable fucking energy. I, I mean, occasionally you get st- stuff like this from the Times, New York Times, which is decent of reporting. Pellets are then shipped across Western Europe, helping countries reach their renewable power commitments. Absolutely disgusting, right? And I told—I we we talked—we talked about this. I mean, you know, went into this in a little bit more detail on the weekend warrior show. But when you see when you see Joe Biden, everything is—you know, this is conscious if you're aware of it. But for people who are not aware of it, this is subconscious. When Biden does that speech in front of the red, uh, you know, the red lights in in uh, uh, Independence Hall. In Philadelphia, that's that's a message. That's to get people to react. That's to get the the MAGA terrorists to actually start lashing out and sh- shit like that, right? When Biden does a climate speech in front of a goddamn dump, that's sending the message that that's what the climate is about. It, I mean, it does. It might seem maybe try it or whatever, or a far reach. But but that's what that's what they're doing. This is what it is. I mean, the UN, uh, you know, United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, all of that was basically about, you know, I forget, four of the 12 or 13, whatever many uh, points that were in that now. i got to bring up the numbers for that again. But the majority of them was about migration. right? It was bringing migrant into Western countries to, to drive, you know, uh, people from their, from their lands in the third world to get them out of poverty. And then you have people such as the Swedish ex Prime Minister Friedrich Reinfeldt, who's looking at Sweden. and says, "There's so much forest there. Let's just let's just cut down the forests and build like super malls and high rises and parking lots." And they're like they're serious, but and these are the green. This is the green movement. They're cutting down our forests. They're destroying the environment in the name of saving the environment. When they do the climate speech in front of a literal dump, that's to send you the message that that's what it's about. This is about, cre- that's <laughs> right there behind you. Why? Because they want us disassociated and disconnected from all of that. You think, oh, agenda 2030, that's about the saving the earth. It's about, they're earth worshippers, these uh, globalists, right? And then you realize, no, they actually want to destroy those things. They actually want to get you off of the land. They don't want you to live out in the countryside. They don't want you to grow your own food. They don't want you to be independent. They want you to be dependent in a concrete, you know, pod somewhere getting fed, you know, bug juice intravenously, while you have your VR headset on, and you are living in some like weirdo, you know, some some nonstop like porn digital utopia, whether it's virtual reality or augmented reality. It's about destroying nature, so that's what they're doing now. So the resorts that they have to go to, it's like you had things, it worked, it was fine, and now they're like at you know t- shop chopping down some of our most ancient forests to turn it into green energy none of this is illegal the new york times story continues in fact it's encouraged by green energy subsidies but in reality burning wood can be dirtier than burning coal again i'm not concerned about the carbon output that's not the issue here the issue is they're using all these excuses anyways and then they have the actual article there after the graph kind of overall kind of explaining now what what they're doing here Burning wood was never supposed to be a cornerstone of the European Union's green energy strategy when the bloc began subsidizing subsidizing wood burning over a decade ago. It was seen as a quick boost for renewable fuel and incentive to move homes and power plants away from coal and gas. Chips and pellets were marked as a way to turn sawdust uh, sawdust waste into green power. Those subsidies gave rise to a booming market to the point that wood is now Europe's largest Renewable energy source, far ahead wind and solar. Look at these forests. I mean, these are some incredible, and most of it has been chopped down already in, in Europe. Actually, they have quite a bit of old growth still in some parts of Sweden. I'm sure they're going to chop it all down, turn into green energy, and they'll build, uh, build refugee housing on it. McDozer over on Entropy says, uh, destroying nature to satisfy the greedy merchants and corrupt governments will continue to happen until we force it to stop. Yeah, and if this doesn't do it, if these things don't uh, get, get us there, I, I, I'm not sure what will, to be honest. I mean, this system will destroy itself. It is on the path of self-destruction. I mean, it's an intentional demolition, I understand that. But they're seeing, of course, this as an opportunity to build back better. And if they allow for that, if we allow for that, if they pull that off, we might I mean a little hyperbolic here, but we essentially are looking at a matrix type scenario. We're basically looking at being enslaved by technology in one way or another, whether that's actual robots or artificial intelligence running around or the very people that program these systems, doesn't I mean matters, but it doesn't really matter. We'll be trapped in it. We'll be trapped in some weird augmented virtual reality, essentially where these people will destroy you. I mean, remember the Matrix too, like the, the scorched earth tactic, right? They just like chemtrailed essentially the whole planet to cut off uh, the machine from like solar energy and then they start tapping into humans to to, to provide them with energy. Um, that technocratic system that they're seeking to build will will enslave us for a long time. Eventually will crash, eventually it will be, it'll be something. It'll be a solar, enough of a big solar storm, a, a coronal mass ejection from the sun and knocks it all out or whatever. But know uh, that th- this is a, a great uh, time of opportunity uh, and danger all at the same time. Masix um, Guerillion says, uh, fuck these people and everything that they are doing. Yes, indeed. That's, uh, that's correct, sir. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Um, so that's how insane it is. That's how... And I'm going to go through this story more detail. I have a little bit more on this, too. Uh, just how much... That you consumes more wood pellets than any other region. Look at these. They're just the photos here, the images. I'm cutting this down. And, of course, it's not only Romania. This is happening in many other parts as well. Absolutely sickening. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, the Carpathians, right? The Carpathia, that's uh, the old forests, right, in Romania, yeah. All right. <clears throat> so, COVID lockdowns. Let's see if this... Let's see if this works here yes here's one here let me read this real quick here just to tie that into it as well that if you do see to kind of to your point my guerrillion, that if you do see massive protest if you do see a winter autumn winter here or maybe spring by the next time we, we don't know yet uh, massive protest the possibility of them wheeling out just insane, Lockdown measures, be that over COVID, or be that over energy, or be that over, uh, you know, climate or something like that, or or again, just all all of the above. Lights off and locked down. On September 2nd, the European Commission released a document, here's the link to that there, let me open that real quick. Ladden with recommendations on how to fight COVID-19 this winter, a rather odd concern given the low numbers of infections and the range of more immediate crises demanding attention. The main focus of this 15-page document, which only briefly mentions vaccines or other soft measures, is preventing people from gathering. A return to working from home, restrictions on travel between countries, and the possibility of limiting the size of mass gatherings are all explored at considerable length and visited upon more than once. The document feels much more like one designed to prepare governments to deal with major unrest related to the living costs or the cost of living crisis than other uh, than one about community health concerns. European elites are hiding behind the ghost of the pandemic in an attempt to suppress public displeasure with the elites inability to solve any of the crises that's facing Europe right now. So here's the uh, document here. E-Response to COVID-19, preparing for autumn and winter 2023. Dark winter, folks. Here we are. That's what's looking at it. Dark winter. Uh, so, uh, it was another guy speaking about this, another uh, homosexual gentleman. Well, maybe he's not a gentleman, but uh, Justin Trudeau. Listen to this. And I guess he, he frames it perfectly. This could be applied to Europe, any European country. It could be applied to America, or in this case, it's uh, talking about... Canada.
8: things to remember is COVID's not done with us yet. We might want to be done with it, but it's still around. And yes, we have a lot more tools, a lot more understanding, a lot more knowledge on how to keep ourselves and our loved ones safe that have allowed us to get back to regular life in a lot of ways for a whole bunch of people. But we also know that as winter comes and as people get pushed back indoors, there is a real risk of another serious wave of COVID. One of the best of things we is. can do to prevent that wave, prevent the pressure on our healthcare system, prevent provinces from having to take decisions around restrictions and mandates, is to ensure that everyone is up to date in their vaccinations. The recommendation is, you, know, you should uh, be up to date in your vaccinations if you have, a, have had a dose within six months. Everyone who has been a while since their vaccination, this vaccination, should look at the fact that we have new vaccines coming out this month that are tailored against Omicron, that will provide better protection, and everyone should get out and get vaccinated. If we are able Pfizer. to hit that 80, 85, 90% of Canadians up to date in their vaccinations, we'll have a much better winter. with much less need for the kinds of restrictions and rules that were so problematic for everyone over the past years. But every step of the way, government's responsibility is to keep people safe, to prevent our healthcare systems from getting overwhelmed. And that's where individuals choosing to make sure they're up to date in their vaccinations with these new vaccines is going to help us all.
0: Yeah, so we covered Friday, right, the new, it was last Wednesday, the new uh, fantastic Omicron-specific MRNA shot from uh, Pfizer. To you by Pfizer. And so go out and take them, and maybe if you obey, maybe if 80-90% of Canada will take them, maybe we'll let you uh, not have lockdowns. So that's basically what it is, right? Now right, check out the doc here from the EU to communication from the Commission to the European Parliament, the Council, the European Economic and Social Committee, and the Committee of the Regions. It's called EU's response to COVID-19, preparing for autumn and winter 2023. Uh, so they, it's a real possibility that they will bring this back. In the meantime, in the Netherlands, energy crisis empties greenhouses in world's top flower producers. And you think, well, flowers? Who gives a shit? But uh, you know what's next here, right? We just had the issue of fertilizer and the, the shortages of food. Uh, Netherlands being the world's largest food, or is it the second world's largest food exporter? I think. And uh, again, I mean, small country in size, but tremendous amounts of farming takes place here, right? So you cut the fertilizer, you uh, shut down people's farms, you confiscate their lands to build refugee housing, and uh, then you raise the energy to, to make matters worse, right? That wasn't bad enough. You raise the energy prices artificially by doing this, you know, gay uh, Ukraine thing here, instead of playing ball with Russia and being reasonable. Is it, is it, is it ideal? No, but like what, you, what you're doing here is going to kill people, okay? So then you make the energy prices so high, artificially, you offset it to the consumers and to the businesses, and then they can't afford to keep, in this case, in the Netherlands, greenhouses going. And you know that vegetables is next, right? Dutch greenhouse is set for lower than normal output over winter. Flower production in the Netherlands may drop by up to 40%. So as I said, then, you know, whoa, well, whoop-de-doo, kind of thing. But yeah, but then you know what's next. You know it's like going to be food. And in fact, it's so bad. But this new exciting starting up of CERN, right, we talked about that, the Large Hadron Collider, that might be shutting down now as well. Most of its particle accelerators and idling uh, the Large Hadron Collider in response to energies, or Europe's energy crisis. CERN is considered shutting down the majority of its particle accelerators. The Swiss scientific facility wants to keep the Large Hadron Collider in idle mode. Shutting it down would set experiments back weeks, as it takes so long to cool. The proposal has been made to help conserve power during the energy crisis. Now, not that, that this is the most important thing, but I wouldn't be surprised if they keep shit like this running <laughs> while, like everyone else, can't heat their own. We'll, we'll see what happens. But it's also like it's a symbolic thing, right? Whatever you you know believe, you know your take is about the experiments. This is like officially. This is like. Top, you know, top tier of our science developments and that, that's, this is what it's all about, like discovering the, you know, dark matter and weird particles and go, the, finding the God particle and all that stuff. You know, none of it might be real, sure, but like the point is cutting edge, like scientific things and the things that we kind of known as, right, as, as Westerners, as Western kind, we do, the, we do shit like this. Um... No, has to shut down. Civilization shut down. Demolish everything. T- slowly, just take it apart and and decommission everything, because now we can't even heat our homes. And so the me of this clip, too is going around in the UK, in the United Kingdom, we have a uh, what a morning show over there. I think it is the gamification of like of, of all of this, of saying like, well, if you're lucky, you might you might win uh, you know you win a prize where your energy bills are paid for you're struggling well join in this game enter the running man was it i i'm not a big fan of the movies but what uh, people are making the hunger games comparison essentially check this out
8: okay here we go so we've
0: got we've got we'll pay your energy bills a thousand pounds as well so this is energy bills i think for four months if it stops on that nice uh so how are your how how are your energy bills are you a bit worried about it all um oh, major
4: yeah. I've got I've got one of these prepayment meters and it's absolutely murder. Oh god.
9: Right,
0: well let's hope it lands on one of those
9: then. Whatever right. you're gonna win some money, here so we don't go.
0: worry. Here yep. we go. One way one way or t'other. Here we go. Right. And he looks like he's also like fiddling with the thing with his like uh his left hand. Look at this. I th- in other words, I'm saying This is also fake like they're faking like and and ending up on that just to like again gay. Oh, look at that. He won his he won, uh, you know, a prize where their his energy bills are paid off. Oh, look at this spin to win. Around it goes where it stops. Nobody knows. He's He's holding it though. Energy bill. He's holding it with his left hand stopping it is going to. Not that that matters, but you get the point. Even that, even this is like inorganic and faking. It's your energy bill. Oh,
4: my God. Thank you.
0: We are paying your energy bill for four months.
4: Oh, fantastic. No worries. Oh, Oh, what a relief. Thank
10: you very
0: much.
2: Oh, listen. Well done, you. It's just,
0: it's just, it's just, I mean, what can you say? Like Despicable. Right. It's despicable they're they're shoving it in our faces. Oh, you can hear join the game. It's like the running man. Right. That's that's basically what it's turning into now. All right. And uh, over to the U.S. here a little bit uh, briefly, too. Here's one of Biden's guys. He is the uh, senior energy advisor. And he's talking about here uh, Russia's um, how Russia is losing credibility over using energy as a weapon. Well, it looks like. Maybe, I don't know, maybe the EU should be, maybe the U.S. government, the Biden regime, maybe that's what's losing credibility. I don't know. Listen to this.
3: And Amos, let's, let's talk about what Brian just laid out, this uh, idea of where we stand with Nord Stream right now, what that means for Europe over the winter and what it means potentially for prices here. What do you think?
1: Well, first, Becky, thank you for having me. And uh, I was listening to Brian's uh, sobering uh, uh, report on what's happening in Europe, and he's, and he's right about a lot of those points. Uh, Russia has dropped all the pretexts. They used to give all kinds of excuses that they had to shut down pipelines for maintenance or for all kinds of imaginary disruptions. Uh, And they we've always known that Russia lies about those issues, that what they really are is using energy as a weapon. And they ultimately have done that. You're using energy as a weapon, man. That and proven and admitted and removed all pretext uh, and and it's like a. We should be we should be able
0: to fund Ukraine and give them as much weapons as we want to, but Russia to still be forced to sell gas to us. Again, I'm saying, is it, it's like they're not being unreasonable. W- what else are they supposed to do? They're they're being intentionally painted into a corner,
1: right? Yeah, uh, using energy as a as a weapon against European citizens. The reality is, though, that the United States has been warning about this. Uh, Europe, and Germany, in particular. been preparing for this and the storage levels in Europe are fuller at this point than they have been in years. That's a
0: lie. I think it's really bad actually.
1: Uh, And they will reach pretty much full storage by the time the heating season starts. Unfortunately that is not enough to carry through the winter uh, and we are working uh, hand-in-hand between the United States and European.
0: To bring out HARPS we can make
1: it even colder this winter. Am I I right? Leaders to identify uh, what we can do to make sure that uh, Europeans are secure through the winter. Uh, We're, but far- ultimately- We're
0: firing up our, uh, <clears throat> our climate manipulation technology at full swing uh, so we can ensure we get a real, uh, some real nice uh, you know, <laughs> depressions uh, over, over the European continent here come uh, November, December.
1: Lee, Becky, this is going to hurt Russia, Russia's revenues. Uh, and Russia's credibility as a...
0: Well, it didn't. They actually regained those losses. The ruble is very strong, and they're making more money now from the gas than they ever have.
1: Right? Supplier and a reliable uh, supplier at that are completely destroyed, not mm-hmm. only for now during this conflict, but for the very long term.
0: All right, so complete uh, garbage, complete nonsense. And, of course, in the meantime... This happened over in California. Uh, Cal OES, conserve energy now to protect public health and safety. Extreme heat is straining the state's energy ge- grid. Power interruptions may occur unless you take action. Turn off or reduce non-essential power if health allows now until 9 p.m. And here's uh, uh, Governor Cock and Ball's Gavin Newsom uh threatening basically uh you to uh you have to turn off your uh, you have to raise rather up your thermostat right now
5: and today and tomorrow afternoon after 4 p.m in particular 4 p.m please turn your thermostat up to 78 degrees or higher and avoid to the extent possible using any really large appliances you can visit flexalert.org to learn more about what you can do californians you've rallied before and we can do it again Keep it up.
0: How about fuck you, man? <clears throat> How about that? How about fuck you? Um, yeah. So it's says, Remember that too—the COVID thing. We'll turn off your water. We'll turn off your. I was trying to find the clip and I couldn't find it. It was the L.A. Mayor Guglielmini or something. I had like a, it had an Italian name, I think. Um, and it was basically saying you, you, you do what we tell you to do, or we'll shut off your water and your electricity. And so that's happening now. So aren't you glad if, you, if you're one of the lucky ones that install these, uh, whether it's a smart meter or smart thermostats, in this case, it happened in Colorado, right? So as a reminder, this was a, was a video that surfaced a while ago we played, and it's somewhat similar. But check out this here. This is this is what's next, right? It's going to be your power now, and then tomorrow it'll be, I don't know, maybe your money.
3: When thousands of XL customers in Colorado tried adjusting their thermostats Tuesday, they learned... They couldn't. Denver 7 Consumer Investigator Jacqueline Allen talked with some of those customers. Jacqueline, they're upset they had no control over the temp in their own home. That's right, and you know, Excel is calling,
9: calling this a rare energy emergency. And yes, they took over tens of thousands of smart thermostats here in Colorado. For the first time, there was nothing homeowners could do about it.
5: Another hot one today with temperatures in the low 90s.
9: Even Mike Nelson would tell today, you Tuesday was a problems. hot one.
1: The heat goes on.
9: Which is why Tony Tallarico tried to crank up the A.C.
1: I mean, it was 90
0: out, and it was right during the peak period.
9: That's when he found out he had no control of his thermostat. A message from a on his thermostat saying temperature locked during an energy emergency.
0: And normally when we see a message like that, we're able to override it. Um, In this case, we weren't, so our thermostat was locked in at 78 or 79. Turns
9: out he's not alone. Excel confirms to contact Denver 7, 22,000 customers were locked out of their smart thermostats for hours on Tuesday.
1: It's a voluntary program. Let's remember that this is something that customers choose to be a part of. Um, based on the incentives.
9: <laughs> Excel VP Emmett Romine says customers enrolled in the Colorado AC Rewards Program. Oh, they signed, signed up, up all to by get themselves. Money back, but give up I mean, they some did. control for the greater good.
0: They gave up some control for the greater good. There it is. <laughs> That's what it is. They gave up their lives for the greater good.
9: For hours on Tuesday.
1: It's a voluntary program. Let's remember that this is something that customers choose to be a part of. Um, based on the incentives.
9: Excel VP Emmett Romine says customers enrolled in the Colorado AC Rewards program sign up to get money back but give up some control for the greater good.
1: So it it helps everybody for people to participate in these programs. It is a bit uncomfortable for a short period of time but but it's very (laughs) very helpful.
9: And it's rare. This is the first time since the six-year-old program started that customers could not override their smart thermostats. Excel says an unexpected outage in Pueblo, combined with hot weather and heavy AC use, led to the last-minute energy emergency.
0: To me, an emergency means there is, you know, life limb or you know some other danger out there. Some you
10: no, know, nope, just to fuck fires. with you, man.
9: Tony's all about saving energy with solar panels and smart home systems, but he says he had no idea locked thermostats came <sighs> with that,
10: yep.
0: and it's
9: not what he signed up for.
0: Even well, if it's it is, out, right? once in a blue moon uh, situation, it just doesn't sit right with us to not be able to... I mean, he's, uh, yeah, I mean, it isn't entirely his fault, right? He signed up in good faith and all that stuff. But you know it's part of the fine print. You know it's like we can cut off your power at any time. And he didn't read that. I'm not saying it is his fault. That's what most po- uh, people do. Uh, but it is kind of his fault. <laughs> you know I mean, this is what it is, the nature of it. Oh, but for whatever reason, we can just shut it off. That's probably what it says, right? It's so always, we'll if it is some kind of TOS, like agreement, service agreement, it's basically just like utter crap for the, the the user of it, of the product, right? It's like, we can do whatever we want at whatever, we can throw you off there, anything we want. Control our own thermostat in our house.
9: For the AC Rewards program, customers get $100 credit for signing up and $25 every year. In exchange, Excel says the customer should be aware they could lose control of their thermostat in an emergency. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then, you know, as I said, it's gonna be, it's going to be when you have your smartphone with your smart money and your CDBDC, cbdc's right your uh, central bank digital currency and stuff well they can turn off your money too how about that that's going to be next here enjoy the, the wonderful uh wonderful great reset fourth industrial revolution future all right next one here globalist agency calls for energy lockdowns, including banning cars on Sundays to achieve climate goals. The globalist International Energy Agency, the IEA, is calling for energy lockdowns as price of gas and oil skyrockets. Months after destructive and deadly COVID lockdowns, the IEA is calling for new lockdowns on the general public, such as banning cars on Sunday, and only allow certain licensed, registered vehicles on the road on certain days. By the way, someone mentioned that about the EV, the electrical vehicles too, that they'll have less and less range. Right? That it's you, you basically you build, you design behavior out of the out of the equation. That's how they started doing it in Sweden. They tax things to uh, d- to, to uh, uh, incentivize away certain behavior or certain you know uh, habits that people have. So essentially, at some point, it's going to be deemed like, oh, you don't need all that range. You don't need to, you don't need to drive that far. We'll do, uh, you know, smaller batteries, right, because it's more conserves energy. At some point, they're going to whip up, oh, it turns out that it's really toxic producing these batteries. And we got an awful lot of uh, lithium that has to be mined and all these other minerals and stuff to create these batteries. So we have to make them smaller. Yes, there will be a little smaller charge on them, but, you know, you'll, you'll be able to charge it faster. So it's a plus side. It's good for you. And it will be shorter and shorter smaller and smaller eventually you won't be able to go anywhere you know if you if you even like can go anywhere because you just flip flip a switch and turn off your you know your smart car your on star system just uh, disables your car remember we're talking about the kill switch in the cars right this is what this is why all of this is happening the globalist rules uh would once again decimate the uh, the third world nations where people have the Uh, Don't have the luxury of working from home or taking weekends off. Is that that really their number one priority, uh, Gateway Pundit? All right. Like, okay, yeah, they would do that also, but they would also destroy the life for us. Is that, can we do, no, okay. All right, anyway, here's the uh, document here uh, from the uh, uh, IEA. A 10-point plan to cut oil use. Uh, But the globalists don't care, it's for the greater good. As gasoline prices rise to record levels, the International Energy Agency is calling for energy lockdowns, such as banning the use of private cars in cities on Sundays. Other measures proposed in the agency's 10-point plan to cut oil use include reducing speed limits, working from home, cutting business air travel and imposing SUV tax, reports Climate Depot. Uh, governments have all the necessary tools at their disposal to put oil demand into decline in the coming years, which would support efforts to boost both strength and energy security – Yeah, because that's really what has happened by, by, by us going green, green, as we can see now over the last years – and achieve vital climate goals, the report states. Among the proposal, reducing highway speeds, limits by about 6 miles per hour, more working from home, street changes, to inc- more, more sitting in the pod. And shutting up about it and being happy too, more owning nothing and eating the bugs. That's that would really, the really the best way is really just to kill off a lot of carbon criminals, which is which is humans at the end of the day. And of course, for things that they can't literally switch off, right? You have this thing that they're like, we just remotely go in and we just flip, flip a switch. Digitally speaking and that turns off either dissidents or you know kind of uncomfortable customers or even just in a zone Something happens in a zone and we just we don't want those people to travel flip it off turn it off cut them off money energy f- Rations, you know, whatever it is once you're on the U- their UBI system They can just cut you off like that immediate compliance, right if that it, for those few things that are left Where they for now can't control it? you'll have to have you'll actually have enforcement out on the street level, and I think it will look something like this.
4: Okay, so it's thirty-seven oh eight. Paper, plastic.
7: Plastic. That's the magic word. What? Green police. <laughs> you picked the wrong day to mess with the ecosystem, plastic boy. Battery.
11: Battery.
1: Battery. Let's go. Take the house. Come on. Put the rind down, For sir. That's a compost inversion.
5: You know oh. Did you install these bulbs? Uh Tragedy strikes tonight where a man has just been arrested for possession of an incandescent light bulb. What do you guys think about plastic bottles now? The water setting is at 105. You got a
8: TDI here? Clean diesel. You're good to go, sir.
0: Good afternoon, officers. Are those foam cuffs you're drinking from? Yeah. please step out of the car and put them on the hood? Oh, that's actually from the uh, what is it? The 2010 Super Bowl. <laughs> I think it was. people are making fun of it, uh, fought off that at the time. Uh, but it's actually kind of closer to uh, <coughs> to reality <laughs> now these days, right? Soon enough, you'll have an enforcement arm, and it's going to be uh, the green police. That was like a spoof ad, audio or something. All right, anyway. Uh, Winter will be long. Russian oil giant Gazprom taunts the West with sinister video showing Europe freezing over after Moscow switches off gas supplies. Check out uh, this video here. This is uh interesting message here. <laughs> Okay, interesting uh, message there from uh, Gazprom. Is that an official uh, Russian uh, stance or uh, what's going on here? That's kind of interesting, right? So, of course, they're in war, They're at war, right? Uh, and, of course, therefore, you know, Russia is pushing back against the West. Let's keep it simple. Uh, and in some cases, they have good points about those things. In other cases, they're doing the most cringe and dumb and... Gay things that you can imagine in the, one of the weekend warrior shows. We covered their first so-called uh, anti-fascist conference. Do you guys see that? We played some footage from that. Check out uh, a weekend warrior show from I think two shows back. Um, they're ba- you know so so they're fighting the not na- the na- the fascist Nazis in Ukraine. Um, and it's not that Azov doesn't exist, which kind of the West denies, which is you know you, you know dumb in and of itself. But it's like it's been over and over. This Azov is not the biggest. Pro- like NATO is a bigger problem than than Azov is. Like the West line, the global Homo West lining up and fighting you is is a bigger problem than Azov, right? But so they've taken the stance that this like, oh, it's all they're all Nazis and fascists, and so we're the real anti-fascists, you know, kind of thing. And as they're doing that, again, as I said, some things they say are 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 spot on. Some things that Putin say can be right about the West. But then it's being misapplied, right? So a video like that is kind of saying like, yeah, so we're we're taunting you. We're making fun of you, the fact that you will freeze. And of course, because it's not the people's fault again, right? It's the the leaders. It's the policymakers. It's the EU. It's uh, the the NATO regime and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, those who suffer is the people. So you think that would be kind of, I don't know, a little... If they were, if Russia was looking out for, a, I mean, there are some people like that. They're like they're they're better than the way they're looking out for uh, for for, uh, for white people, or you know, it's like no, they're not. They're, they're they're serving their own interest as as they should, I guess. To of course, as they should, but but they're making a bunch of weird decisions. And I have one video I am going to show you in a little bit. Um, and we'll get to that because it's actually about the food and the grain resources in Ukraine and where that's going to go now. But check out this here. Here's um, Putin talking about the U.S. How they were once a food producer, but now is a net importer, and how they're t- they're doing this argument now that the West is colonialist and they're taking advantage of third world poor nations, and we are going to be the we're going to be the real anti-fascist, and we're going to take a a stance where we're against the racist colonialism of the West. And it's just like, is this really like with everything that's happened? The EU is, and America too has like been twisting backwards in order to cock itself on its racist past of colonialism to such a degree that they're like you know screwing over its own population anyway so a few of these clips are, are uh, subtitled and of course it's 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 true he mentions the inflation issue he mentions how they were just printing money essentially out of thin air which puts us deeper in debt all those things are true so it's not that that's false but it's kind of a weird. It's a weird way of ap- applying the criticism, if you ask me. But anyway, t- take a look and see what you think here.
12: Все попытки делать хорошую мину при плохой игре, все разговоры о якобы допустимых издержках во имя единства не могут скрывать главного. Евросоюз окончательно утратил свой политический суверенитет.
0: The European Union has lost its political sovereignty and its bureaucratic elites are dancing to someone else's tune. That's absolutely
12: true.
0: Okay, doing everything they're told from high while hurting their people, economies, and businesses. And yes, that's all true, right? But then in this weird way, he still twists his back on, like, oh, because of their colonialism and and racism, they're taking advantage of uh, poor countries, and and we're now the real, we're going to look after the poor countries, right? Um, Here's the other one. He's talking about how how the U.S. is driving inflation by printing money. Again, not, not false, but it's always this... Twist at the end, which is like, and also they're racist and colonialists. Check this
12: out. Oh, okay, I got
0: okay, I got the, the clips mixed up here. This is the one about the food. Supp- this is an interesting one too, by the way. This is about the food supply. This we we'll do this one first here. Uh, the U.S. was for a long time a major food supplier and now it's a net importer, he says, and that's hurting third world nations, poor nations.
12: крупными поставщиками продовольствия на мировом рынке. Заслуженно, действительно, заслуженно гордились, и было чем своим сельским хозяйством, традициями фермерства. Ну, и это пример для многих, и для нас, кстати говоря, тоже. Но сегодня роль Америки изменилась кардинально. Из net экспортера продовольствия, она превратилась в чистого импортера
0: yes says that they're buying up the West is buying up food from all the other countries making who's poorer is that true I haven't seen what what do we what was the West buying you know he extends that discussion here in the next clip uh again talking about correctly talking about printing money in the West absolutely true is there elite running things yes absolutely but then it's like but, then it's this,
12: but because of the racism, kind of thing at the end. Look, look at this. Мир в такую ситуацию последовательно загоняла многолетняя безответственная макроэкономическая политика стран так называемой большой семёрки, включая бесконтрольную эмиссию и накапливание необеспеченных долгов
0: uncontrolled emissions so it's this like the green agenda he's but he's trying to maybe he's just trying to like kind of oh let's twist it on them you know what i mean like the, well well the rest the west are the real racists he's kind of doing that maneuver <laughs> in a way like well there that's leading to emissions <laughs> If he was truly like against the counter of this, if it's not still was like, okay, I mean sure, Putin got this, you know, World Economic Forum page deleted or whatever. But on the back end, they're still working with the World Economic Forum on making Russia one of the spearheading fourth industrial revolution nations. They're using them as a spear. That project never was never dropped. That's still ongoing, still happening on the back end, right? So so it was this kind of if he was really kind of counter things they're going, wouldn't it be simple to say the West is like Anti white is turning on its own public, and that's he's granted to be fair, he's mentioned that a couple of times, but then it's still always this like, but they're racists also, and 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 they're treating uh third world countries bad, and that's the that's the major issue, not that they're turning on their own or something like that, right? And he says, unable and unwilling to find solutions, the government of leading western economies simply accelerated their money printing machines, which is true. Check the, out the rest of this clip here.
12: <laughs> использовать другие рецепты. Власти ведущих западных экономик просто напросто запустили печатный станок. Таким нехитрым способом стали покрывать невиданные ранее бюджетные дефициты. Уже называл эту цифру за последние два года Два года денежная масса в США выросла более чем на три.
0: Yes, that money supply in the US have grown by more years anything different about, they didn't treat things differently there,
12: 5.9
0: trillion dollars. The EU's money supply has also increased dramatically over this period. It grew by about 20% or 2.5 trillion euros, he
12: says.
0: Today's rising prices, accelerating inflation, shortage of food and fuel and the problems in the energy sector. Are the results of system wide errors true in the economic policies of the current US administration and European bureaucracy? Yeah, I would agree with that. So they printed money in huge quantities and then what? Where did all that money go? Yes. It obviously went towards purchasing goods and services outside of the west. This is where the newly printed money flowed. Is it though really? I want to see some data on that. Does anybody have the anybody actually have the hard like hard statistics on that? Is that actually true? They literally began vacuum up and sweep out global markets. The interests of other states, including the poorest ones, were disregarded. They left with scraps at exorbitant prices. uh, Colonialism. Moazism. He's, He's correct. But is the end result the correct interpretation of what happened? While at the end of 2019, the US imported about $250 billion worth of goods per month, this figure has now grown to 350 billion US dollars. It is noteworthy that the growth was 40% exactly in proportion to the unsecured money supply printed in recent years. So maybe he's just doing a correlation? He doesn't have the hard evidence of this? right? I'm not sure, maybe, maybe it is true. They handed out printed money and used it to sweep up goods from markets of third countries, I mean third world countries. Obviously, such a sharp increase in demand without adequate supply has triggered a wave of shortages and global inflation. This is where this global inflation originates. Now, it's, it's not that he's, he's wrong, right? But it's this way and, it, and it's underlined even further. With the the following clip, we're going to play with Putin here too, and he's mentioned this many times, right? Oh, it's the um, uh, it's the it's the racism and colonialism, and we're the real kind of anti-fascists and all that kind of stuff, right? And of course, you know, Putin, as you know, you know, Putin his meetings with Klaus Schwab and their good buddies, and at least Schwab claimed he was one of the young uh, global leaders of the World Economic Forum. I'm not sure if that's true or if it's just uh, Klaus that's getting a little bit demented. But many of the programs have still been going. He's still kind of part of the little clique and stuff, uh, globally speaking. Uh, And there's things still that Russia does, which is just like, I don't know about this. You know, again, Belt and Road Initiative and these kinds of things. And it feels very much that it's like super advantageous of having this type of conflict for the establishment, for the elites, and how they can use that to apply. And then simply just blame Russia and blame Putin and get people in the West to say, well, you don't want to be... you don't want to let down uh, the Ukrainians, do you? Like, you you better not be able to heat your home because, you know, they need it more in Ukraine. We've seen those kinds of ads. So here's what he's doing in Ukraine with the grain exports. Check out this next clip here. This is interesting.
12: He says, you
0: all remember the pleas and the talk about the need to ensure the export of Ukrainian grain to support the poorest countries, he says. And we, of course, could not but respond to this, despite all the difficulties with the situation around Ukraine. We have done everything to ensure the export of Ukrainian grain. I met with the leaders of the African Union, heads of African states and promised them that we would do everything to ensure their interests and facilitate the export of Ukrainian grain. Together with Turkey, we made this happen. And what's the result? Almost all the grain being exported from Ukraine goes to the EU, not developing countries or the poorest countries. So, of course, it's going to change that now. Nothing for the EU, all for Africa. According to the UN World Food Programme, which is a horrible globalist organization, which is involved in helping the poorest countries, only two ships were loaded.
12: I would like to emphasize only two out of 87.
0: They carried 60,000 tons of foodstuffs out of 2 million tons. That makes up only 3% of shipments that ended up going to the developing countries. Today, many European countries continue behaving like colonialists, just as they have for centuries. Putin says, "Oh, great! Look what a he is a great he's a great uh, opposer to the uh, current uh, global order in the West." This is all we've been hearing, you know. This is what this is literally like what everything we're hearing in our history books, uh, history uh, classes right now. This is this is all that's in the history books. It's like we were slavers and his, racist colonialists. Once again, they deceived the developing nations and are continuing to do so, talking about the Europeans. It's clear that such an approach will only exacerbate the scale of food problems in the world to our great regret.
12: And can lead to an
0: unprecedented humanitarian catastrophe. So perhaps we should consider limiting the directions in which grain and other foodstuff is allowed to travel along this route. route. I will consult this matter with the Turkish President Erdogan since we are the ones who developed the export mechanism. I repeat, it was intended to help the poorest countries, which is not what's happened in practice. So I think they're going to reverse that. So Europe is racist and colonialist, I guess. That's the extension, right? That's why they're having these anti-fascist, uh, uh, you know, conferences now, right, with like African countries and stuff like that. And we're going to change that. We're going to we're going to export things. So as the, there's a food shortage in Europe, you know, we are all countries that should help each other. You. Russia shouldn't cut off the gas but at the same time we shouldn't be running a proxy war in Ukraine with Russia right we should all be friends can we be friends and then help each other out export, export import and stuff like that but so the re- reply of course to the western sanctions which again you know you could argue it's like he's, they're being painted into a corner what else can I do kind of stuff but it's to counter signal and say Europeans are colonialists and the grain that that Ukraine has will will begin exporting that to third world countries, right, and 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 Africa. So F the, F uh, F Europeans and F Western civilization essentially is what we're getting, you know, from uh, from that guy, which is like, really, you know, is that what is that what you're gonna do? There was some headlines about this. Russia planned a decisive energy blow to all Europeans. Ukraine's Zelensky warns, and of course he would say anything, and he has in the past as well. He'd said anything to get uh, Europeans. And the West to fold to his uh, demands and his objectives and his agenda and scare everybody. Oh, they're attacking the nuclear power plant. And this surfaced again now uh, the other day. The, the uh, what was the, the, uh, what was the uh, plant called? I think it's actually in the video here. Uh, Zapropzia, if I pronounce that correctly, right? Moment of explosion in uh, Zapropzia, the nuclear power plant. And they saying they're shelling the nuclear power plant. And the counter arguments were, well... Uh, it's what was it like? Uh, shells made by UK or like it was you? Uh, apparently Russia showed this up or whatever. I wouldn't doubt it. Someone was basically like, "Well, they're shelling their own area just to scare people into thinking like that it's Russia attacking." You know, kind of thing. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the the case. But I'm saying we're not getting any good stuff from the from the counter op- counter opposite as well. We're not getting any um, decent opposition to the despicable policies that the West have been pushing from Russia's side. And there's no, I mean, there's a real opportunity to, like, really expose, you'd think, right, the global elite. But then it's, like, just more of the same and kind of just turning up the heat, you know what I mean? And, and that's one thing that's been so disappointing, <laughs> just, like, which makes me think, okay, they're all kind of in on it together, essentially, right? They're all basically, like, a, a, a part of the same club. They're playing a role, essentially, to help to weaken the, the the global energy market, and especially the, in the West now, uh, and this is super advantageous to the next stages uh, of of Agenda 2030, essentially. And without this war, they wouldn't be as far ahead on certain things. You know what I mean? It's always this problem reaction solution type of strategy that's a, that's that's um, uh, employed. And in that in that dialectic in the Hegelian dialectic, you need you know you need a thesis and antithesis. You need good guy. You need bad guy. You know what I mean? And in Russia, of course, Putin's a good guy. In the West, Putin's a bad guy. In the West, Zelensky is the good guy. In Russia, Zelensky is the bad guy. You know, and they're going after more, as of they're doing, like, NATO forces and the Department of Defense and stuff like that, which is kind of weird, right? As Africa's climate warms, rich countries pledge more funds. So this is the other thing. We did a video here the other day, and like hand-in-hand hand with, like, Putin now saying, oh, we're going to export all these gra- All the Ukrainian grains, we're going to ship them to Africa, and so we did that segment on uh, the exports, right? Or uh, sorry, the uh, the the aid to Africa, right? Uh, the video, check that out if you didn't see it yet. Like something like fifty Marshall Plans that the West has has exported, and then someone came back in some comments and said, "Oh well, you know, it's not like uh, it's not our fault." Uh, some p- a person either living in Africa or was a black American or something. I'm not sure what it was. Oh, this is uh, ridiculous to take this stance because it's all these corporations uh, raping Africa and stuff like that. And it's like. These corporations have been raping Europe before even they like w- exported or, or or went to Africa or other continents around the world to, uh, to 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 ravage them. You know what I mean? We've been subjected to the pressure of like industrialist and capitalist forces far longer than some of these other continent had has. But but then at the same time, we are still end up footing the bill for this. Right, five trillion something like fifty Marshall plans. Uh, of aid have been given to Africa. And of course, what 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 happened to that? What what do we got for it? Nothing. Sweden, a country of 10 million people, is b- giving aid to a continent of like 1.4 billion people. Think about that. But then still somehow, it's still our, our fault. We're still the bad colonialists. What I'm saying is, is there c- corporations doing bad things in, in Africa? Yeah, sure, of course, that's the case. but. They wouldn't even be doing that if it wasn't for, like, white guilt and, and the anti-white policies. It's still, at the end of the day, it's white guilt that's keeping that system in place of, like, funneling money to, like, these third-world countries and stuff. And it's always us not doing enough. And it goes back to Putin's point there as well. Oh, they're colonialists still. Okay, really? Are we? More aid have gone to to Africa than any other continent, and, and more, more money is being poured down that drain. Now they're using the climate scare to say, oh, well, we got we to gotta have more money. And it's like, yes, it's an elite doing this to us. It's not the fault of the people in Africa. But I'm saying they're using that as an excuse. And unfortunately, we largely submit. We, we comply because we certainly are not changing uh, these policies or stopping them or throwing out the politicians that keep doing them. So it means we're like going along with it. And for the most part, that's because of things like white guilt. It's one of those powerful weapons that they have against us of course here you knew you know we can't pay our energy bills but here's more money for africa of course absolutely you you bet. we'll fl- we'll we'll freeze to death and we'll starve to death and we have a fer- uh, fertilizer shortage and a supply chain issue but here's more money for africa you know what i mean that's how it goes and then of course nothing happens in the continent and it's just being f- straight back into the pockets of corrupt uh, you know businesses and and leaders and stuff like that and the more the the worse the problem is the more money they can request and then the less that happens, the more money they can request. See how this works? I'm saying just we just have to cut that off. Stop funding other countries. Start taking care of ourselves first. Let them let the, the base minimum. Let them be and do their thing then. Let's do that, okay? Can we can we agree on that? Take drag these corrupt corporations out of there and let them uh, let them do their thing and we do our thing. Uh. And I, want, I wanted to. T- we're not going to have time for it today. I wanted to talk about the the carbon reduction scheme and how insane that is for for uh, all of us. Um, And these are articles going back like almost 10 years now. This is from 2014. Extreme carbon dioxide reduction will be a death sentence for humanity and planet Earth. Again, I have to go through this in more detail. But the point is that they've been warning about this for a long time. A lot of people that were tuned into this uh, agenda, you know, before like uh, even the World Economic Forum or the Great Reset became, you know, popular terms to use and stuff like that. A lot of people have been like talking about this and they've been saying this is an insane uh, uh, agenda. It's all part of Agenda 2030, and it's going to ruin us in so many ways. In in fact, in the article, one of the first things they quote is uh, the first global revolution uh, written by the Club of Rome back in 1972. Here's a PDF version of it. The first global revolution. Um, Was it enemies? What's the term? Mm, Mankind, is that what it is? Let me see what the line is here. Oh, there's this one great line they have it. Let me find it. Um, yeah, the common enemy. There it is, right there. That's right. I forgot the wording of it. Common enemy. Check out this line here. This is <laughs> this is great. This is from the Club of Rome, right? The, one of the preeminent. Right now, it's actually a Swedish guy at the head of Club of Rome. Um, one of their first publications. The first global revolution. 1972 the common enemy of humanity is man in searching for a new enemy to unite us we came up with the idea that pollution the threat of global warming water shortages we talked about that lately famine and the like would fit the bill in their totality And in their interactions, these phenomena do constitute a common threat, which demands the solidarity of all people. So more global Homo to solve these inflated, manipulated, artificially created problems. But in designating them as the enemy, we fall into the trap about which we already warned, namely mistaking symptoms for causes. All these dangers are caused by human intervention and is only through changed attitudes and behavior we got to change behavior and attitudes that they can be overcome. The real enemy, then, is humanity itself. <laughs> there you go. There you have it. That's what it's all about right there. McDozer of our entropy says, Upside, if it gets cold enough, it might chase the illegal sand people from Europe back to their caves. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's possible, but as I said in the beginning, because you missed that, it could also be that they're helping and subsidizing, you know, the most vulnerable and minority groups, right? They, here's the uh, here's the heating uh, pods, uh, you, or these buildings they're building now in Germany, right? You come in here, and then it's like, oh, you you why? how much money you're making here? Uh, no, you can't come in. That's it. It's possible, McDozer. Uh, it's it could be possible, but also at the same time, you could very well see them uh, turning against the native European population, and of course, in America, the white Europeans in America too. Uh, I guess we can end on. Uh, let's end on this one. Here's Greenpeace. 2007. Angry Kid is the title. This is basically like Greta Thunberg before there was one. actually Suzuki, uh, Suzuki. Suzuki was one of the first. It was like the proto Greta Thunberg, right? We played that once too. Did a little expose on that. At the Earth Summit back in 1992 in Rio, and she spoke there, and it was like this huge, great fanfare, and you know, news outlets all around the world were covering this. Uh, she's the daughter of uh, Suzuki, the uh, presenter, forget his first name now. He's been on TV in Canada for a long time and uh, kind of an environmentalist. He has shows and stuff like that there. Um, and that wasn't disclosed at first. It was like this, oh no, she's just a random Canadian school kid and they have all these speeches and then turns out oh it's oh, it's the daughter of one of the craziest you know green, green uh, climate activists. Oh how accidental. So it was this threat? Use the kids and threaten that we're all going to die if you don't do what we tell you. Listen, listen to this here.
10: The scientific community released a report that proves beyond a doubt that the earth is getting warmer. This global warming is caused by things you grown-ups do and by the things you don't. If drastic measures aren't taken soon, by the time I grow up, there won't be any fish left in the sea.
0: Okay. <clears throat> let's, let's do the math here. What do you think even be there, chap? Let's see, uh, 11, 12, 12, maybe 12. It's done in 2007, this video, right? So, uh, that's, uh, what is that? Uh, 10, uh, 14, 14 years ago. I get that right. Yeah. About 14 years ago. So let's say he's, what do you think he's going to be that? So let's say, uh, let's say, let's say 11. So he's 25 right now. <clears throat> do we have fish in the ocean still? I mean, look. I don't want it to be cleaned out. I'm saying it's an is an infinite. Re- if you treat it right, it's kind of a, you know, it's it's a self-propelling uh, uh, source <laughs> of food, if that's the right thing. And look, there's certainly problems with the oceans and stuff. But you know what this is? This is to like this is to stop you from fishing altogether. It's to it's to stop all of it and to get you on the bug protein, right? So anyway, did that happen? 2007, 11. He's probably 25 years old today. This kid. I'd say that, growing up, right? No, here, 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 we are, right?
10: Rainforests and clean air will be a thing of the past. The polar ice caps will be gone. Oceans will rise. Entire countries.
0: And so, th- to th- so think about this, this mind fuck here—that they're using shit like this. Back in 2007, and this is like Al the Al Gore era, and like get your uh, get, oh, we gotta get off of incandescent light bulbs, right? Buy your mercury-filled green light bulbs now. That it's the threat of a of, of campaigns like this with kids like that saying that the 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 forests are being chopped down. That they managed to bring about an agenda and an a mentality that's leading to them actually chopping down the forests (laughs) because that's what that's what this is if you go full circle right now they're sacrificing the ancient forests of Europe to turn it into wood pellets because it's considered a green energy fuel which is what this kid's this angry kids proposal was you see the mind fuck here you you see what I'm saying that their policies is actually let's do a climate speech and talk about we got to save the climate and then we, sh- we have a dump behind Joe. We just show a big dump. <laughs> right. We'll turn it into trash. It's incredible. Anyway, let's, let's listen to the rest there. We've got to wrap up.
10: We'll disappear. Life will change in ways you can't even imagine. When be famine. Worldwide epidemics. Life expectancy will be lower. And we're not just talking about the future. We're talking about my future. This is no surprise. You adults have known about this for years. And though you could have done something about it, you haven't. You can say, it's not my problem. You can say, I won't be around in 50 years. But from now on, you can't say, I didn't know. Starting today, the lines are drawn. You have to choose sides. Either you're for my future, or you're against it.
0: And of course, here here it is, right? So I'm talking about, the Hegelian dialectic. Either you're for Ukraine or you're against it. Either you're for Russia or you're against it. Either you're for, you know, it's always always that. It's a binary option. It's the only thing that exists. And of course, now, no, that's that's bullshit. There is a there, there are third options. There's like, how about these? these are these are people that don't take my side. Why should I take any of their sides? You know what I mean? And again, I'm not talking about the people in Ukraine and the people around. I'm talking about the elites and those behind them running these the, this, this 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 scam essentially. This great reset scam. And it's always that, that 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 option is only that. Like either this is like remember that these are green peas, these are leftists, right? Commie left, green green commies, watermelons, right? Green on the outside, red on the inside. And um, I talked about how like George Bush used to say, "Oh, either you're with us or you're with the enemy," you know, kind of thing. criticize that, but here they are. When it comes to climate crisis, it's either our way or again, either if you vote against this, you're voting against life itself. That's always that.
10: You're a friend, or you're an enemy. I may just be a kid today, but tomorrow will be different.
0: I'll burn you in your this house tomorrow. This is the last tomorrow. time I'll
10: be talking to you adults. You've had your chance to fix this problem. Now we have ours.
0: See, hand over control. This is a great... Uh, it's a great way of solving problems. Hand over the decision-making to children and let them tell. First, you have elites programming the kids, thinking you're going to die. Then you have the kids going out, activating the rest of the population by screaming or crying or being emotional or something. And the pair, everyone is like, oh, we, ooh, we have to listen to the children.
10: We won't be cute. We won't be patronized. And we will not be denied our future.
0: Join the energy revolution, Greenpeace. So I thought that was a great way to uh, to wrap up here. Because again, now we've, now that's what we, literally what we've joined, what we did do, right? Because all the governments every, everywhere in the West have like, we have to go green, we've got do green new deals, Here's my, here's more money, just pour money down the fucking drain. And now we're seeing that whole, that vision come into full view, the full fruition of, of that goal. And what's happening? Well, we're chopping down our own ancient forests, we're getting no energy and we're going to, we're about to freeze to death. So we're getting none of it. Black Phillips says, uh, Henrik, I found out recently and was pleasantly surprised Sweden is almost one-third nuclear-powered. That is changing as we speak. But yes, uh, let me read the rest here. Uh, it's a shame the nuclear plants will all be manned by second-generation Somalis and Afghanis in 30 years. Well, that's not going to happen and we're not going to let it. And of course, it's not... It, well, if the... If the green, white liberals and Sweden get their way, there will be no nuclear f- power anyway. It will be decommissioned. Uh, actually, in fact, there was the uh, one of the ring, Ringhals uh, uh, plants, or the second um, generator. What are they calling it again? Uh, generator. What was the term? I'm forgetting the term. Uh, Ringhals two, the second one recently had some issues and has to be decommissioned or it's temporarily halted or something i forget exactly what it was but this is another one of those that's driving the energy costs way up there we used to be very good about this but then again back in the 70s i think there was like a a vote on it and like oh we voted to decommission the nuclear power plants and they haven't done it and yada 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 and now of course they're actually doing it and we're going the way of of germany which is completely insane Uh, and so you know for the lack of any other better options Oil is not a problem. Coal is not a problem. Nuclear power is not a problem. It should not be considered that. Um, so that's the, that's the solution basically to the situation. And ironically, putting out carbon in the atmosphere is actually something that would be greatly uh, beneficial. It would get a little warmer, it would get uh, would get more. Uh, again, I, I'm not saying humans are that super influential, right? Even the article actually that I went through here that I need to go through in more detail on the show Maybe next uh, Wednesday or something like that. They're talking about the the amount that they managed to pull out of the atmosphere and how little that actually was. It's a case out of the UK of like, uh, oh, it's like we you know we wrecked half the economy, but we pulled two percent of carbon out of uh, out of our industrialized uh, you know nation overall. And at the end, the UK's allegedly reduction of one point nine percent equates to zero point zero 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 three four nine one. Uh, zero one percent of all human actively produced CO2. They go through the math here earlier in the piece which is just like all right so we're wrecked our we're wrecked our economies and our energy for this <laughs> I mean that's 10 years ago so it's probably more now but anyway you get the point. All right boys and girls, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the show hope you got something from it again if there's one takeaway the climate crisis is the climate or the energy crisis I should say the energy crisis is the climate lockdown, all right? And it's happening right now. Guys, get on over to redisemembers.com, sign up over there, we have good good options right now to you as well, easy and convenient, redisemembers.com, sign up uh, for a membership, it's uh, 10 bucks a month if you sign up for a recurring subscription, Uh, but we have options up to two years as well, and it gets cheaper per month, it gets down to six bucks, 40 cents US, uh, something like that per month, Uh, if you do a two year one, you can also sign up for a subscription over at Subscribestar. That's uh, subscribestar.com slash Red Ice. And uh, again, that's month to month over there. But we do have a couple of different uh, options for you guys. We have a uh, plus tier. If you want to do a little extra something each month, we have a producer tier. And then we have also an uh, an executive producer tier as well. And that can actually be good to take that right away. Uh, speaking of which, where where is that, by the way? Uh, we got a couple of new ones as well. Got a couple of new executive producers. Let's take these here first. Uh, uh, T. Lothrop Stoddard, V. Miller, Resin Revolt, Good Luck Lap, Jake, Red Pill Rundown, Chalky Milk, and Wild Rose Active Club. And actually not added to this list yet uh, is, uh, what is it now? Sorry, I almost forgot you have French uh, 47, I believe, or just French. We'll add in your name for the next one here. Thank you, guys. That is uh, helping tremendously. And in fact, we have a goal set up there, too. If you want to help with that, uh, we want to bring on a full-time uh, editor. And we figured one reliable way to do that, potentially, is to actually set a goal uh, for um, uh, X, X amount of executive producers. And so if you want to get in and help uh, you know, get us to that goal, we set it to about 20. I think that'll be enough if you do deduct all the percentages, the sub- start takes and fees and all that crazy stuff. I think 20 is pretty good. So we have a goal of getting to 20 executive producers. Uh, when we do, we can actually hire a full-time editor. So help us reach that next phase, guys. We we thank you so much for your support. Uh, we appreciate you. Subscribestar.com slash Ice. So thank you to you, guys. We have eight. Uh, right now we have eight, which is very good. We're almost, almost halfway there. Perfect, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, that will help tremendously towards that effort as well. Uh, and of course, with that, we can do more. We can produce better stuff. We can actually get more clips up from the shows and things like that. Stuff we basically don't have time for to do now to keep all the shows uh, going. If I'd have an editor, I think we can do at least one uh, interview booked in per week as well. You know, so we can do dedicate like Thursdays or maybe Tuesdays, or something like that, uh, to that and get that back uh, on rolling more regularly as well. Uh, so if you want to help with that, definitely check that, those uh, executive produce tier, uh, p- producer tier out uh, or just the producer tier as well. That would, that would definitely help uh, towards that effort. You can sign up over at entropystream.live uh, as well slash red eyes TV, uh for a membership. We also have a cash app for now. We have an e-check option if you're in the US. Uh, we, of course, accept cryptos uh, and we have a mailing address for you guys uh, as well. I'll keep that up on the screen if you want to uh, check that out. So a number of ways to sign up right now, check it out. RedEyesMembers.com, check out some of our latest shows. We do have some more exclusive members content in the pipeline as well. I actually have another uh, stream. I wanna do a little bit of a review of some of the talks out there I saw recently. Some good stuff. Lana has uh, another uh, exclusive video coming up for the members section as well. Uh, And of course, second hour of of a lot of the uh, shows that we've done over the years is in the archives right there. I mean, thousands and thousands of shows for you guys. Uh, but then, of course, the kind of flagship show, Weekend Warrior, we do uh, for the members as well. The latest one we did there is up right now on the members' website. We talk a bit more about the, um, actually, the Lord of the Rings, um, a little review on that. I think you'll enjoy that if you're a member, and we did some other good stuff, good stories in the, in this show as well. So definitely don't miss that. All right, guys, we're going over time here, so we got to wrap up. Thank you so much for joining us today. Let me just check that we're caught up everywhere thank you to to those of you sending um library tokens over on let me check tipped here did i miss one maybe i missed one yes lord aragon thank you red alert black orc killing white people in memphis what is this i haven't heard about that i'll check it out thank you lord aragon for that and we got some library tokens as well thank you you guys over there sending library tokens let me check that we caught up over on rumble i think we are Uh, And I think we're caught up on entropy as well. Thank you, guys. We appreciate all of you. We'll be back with more here soon, of course. Next up is Flashback Friday. We're working on some other videos in the background. Uh, If we're lucky, we'll have those up tomorrow by uh, Thursday. And again, if we had an editor, we can do that much quicker. The turnaround time would be significantly improved. So thank you, guys. We appreciate your support. Keep fighting. Thank you, everybody. And of course, always make your ancestors proud, ladies and gentlemen. They are watching at all times. We'll see you guys later.